Salutations. Welcome to Pod Mortem. I'm Travis Hunter, joined as always by my co-host, my sister, and my brother-in-law. Hi, I'm Renee Hunter Vasquez. Hi, I'm John Paul Vasquez. This week, we're broadcasting live from the Silver Shamrock Novelties Factory, discussing the 1982 science fiction horror film, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. This film was directed by Tommy Lee Wallace from a screenplay credited to Wallace with contributions from Nigel Keane and John Carpenter. Following the success of the first two Halloween films, John Carpenter and Deborah Hill sought to transcend the saga of Michael Myers and Laurie Strode by turning the series into an annual anthology centered on Halloween night. Halloween 3 draws more from science fiction than slashers, but still delivers thrills, memorable moments, and an earworm of a holiday jingle. While this film was meant to be the first entry of loosely connected stories, the negative critical reception it received would inspire producers to revive Michael Myers six years later. Despite that fact, the years have been kind to Halloween 3, with the horror community at large reappraising its value to the series, and it is now widely considered a cult classic. This film was recommended to us by friends of the show, Miguel Myers ATX, and The Hollow Seance on YouTube. We'd like to thank both of them for their continued support of the show, as well as this suggestion. So, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. What were your first impressions on the film? So... I never knew this movie existed. Really? Yeah, I didn't know. I we we talked about it a little bit the other night. We watched Halloween Ends uh-huh. uh, at your parents' house, and I literally thought it was Halloween One, Two, like H two O and Resurrection, and then whatever else. Like <laughs> right. I never knew there was anything else in between. There's a lot in between. Yeah, wow. <laughs> so I learned. <laughs> Uh, this movie is wild. Yes. This is not Michael Myers at all. No. Um, this feels very much like a B movie. Like it's very silly, but in a good way. <laughs> I won't say all of it's good, uh-huh. but there is a lot of good times here. Uh, I did enjoy it. Uh, it's not, I, I mean, I couldn't probably see why people are like oh this movie kind of bad but (laughs) i don't think it's bad i think it's a fun time i kind of wish that maybe they would have just done this in a different title like maybe halloween presents or whatever and then just do this as a side thing but naming it halloween three i i i don't understand uh but i like the movie Yeah, I agree. I think that that's ultimately what hurt them. Like, even if it was just Halloween colon, I think it's the three really that people are like expecting it to like narratively continue from two. Although, well, I mean, I guess I was going to say, I don't know how you would be expecting that if you saw two. Yeah, that's that's the thing. (laughs) Supernatural (laughs) shit. Right. You Uh know, Um, I definitely think that that expectation is what hurt it for most people because. If you just let this be on its own, I agree with you that it is almost B movie fun. Yeah. Almost. Oh no, yeah. Um, you got fucking Tom Atkins. <laughs> we have sci-fi shit. Yes. I mean, it, this movie, a uh, wild, is really the only way to yeah. describe oh, it. Oh no, yeah. Yes. Um, I think in a very early episode, it may have even been our first episode. I said, "Fuck Halloween 3. Oh yeah, because we Tom Atkins is in Creep Show. Yeah, I, that's why I think it was that. I don't think it was Halloween, but in my memory, because I will not go back and listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> I think T, you said that he wasn't in three, and I go, oh well, then fuck Halloween three, and then it was like Michael Myers. You mean what did I say? We were talking about Tom Atkins, right? Michael Myers is not in three. <laughs> um, and so when I was watching this, 
it was like I heard myself echoing in my own head and I was like, okay, I'm gonna have to put my foot right in my fucking mouth because this is really fun. I remember that we did watch this when we were kids. I don't even think that I processed this as a Halloween film when I was a kid. Not necessarily. I know that we were kind of primed in a weird way to not like it. Because mom hates it. Precisely. Right? <laughs> <laughs> But the, really, the only thing that I had carried with me from watching this as a kid was the Silver Shamrock song. Yes. Well, it's catchy as fuck. It's a yeah. It is. Um, it's, it's all our ringtones now. <laughs> <laughs> it's either that or Cham. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> it depends on who's calling. But exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, that was the only thing that I had really remembered. And so the story itself and the plot, I really had no recall of that. Uh-huh. And so I had watched it last year because in october i try to watch a movie every day and i was like this is a fucking blast like this is a lot of fun and then i watched it again for this and i was like it it's like more fun every time that i watch (laughs) it because the ridiculousness of some aspects of it if you are if you're wanting a solid story that makes complete sense (laughs) you should probably look somewhere else (laughs) because while you're not gonna get that here you're gonna get a good time Uh i think and for the people that don't like it, I can fully understand because as I just said, the plot does not make total sense. Oh, yeah. They're, they did some really grand and big gestures here that they really don't care to explain. <laughs> <laughs> there are, in fact, moments that they set up for explanation and then they just move on. They're like, so anyway. Yeah. Like, All right, I guess this is not going to be. No, yeah, but this is this is a blast, I think. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of fun. I completely agree. I think to me, it's it's not a, exactly a great film, but it's a goddamn great time. Oh, yes. no, yeah. And there, that's very fine. Yeah, that's totally fine. As we were saying with mom having the disadvantage of going into it already mm-hmm. kind of set up to not like it. Yeah. Right. Mom was at the time where she saw the trailers yeah. for this. And in all honesty and defense of her opinion as well. Those trailers, there are at least three times, because I watched the trailer today, there are three times where somebody in the shot could Stop be Michael it. Myers. <laughs> and See, you're setting yourself exactly. up to yeah. fail at this point. It, yeah. It's a marketing failure, probably beyond anything that I we've talked about in a long time. Yeah, right. that's rough. Maybe Jennifer's body. Yeah. You know, where you're setting a movie up to be disliked by the fans. Yeah. And especially this, I think the thing that upsets me so much is that they honestly they didn't even want to make halloween 2 yeah and so if it were up to them halloween 2 would have been the start of this anthology you have it already halloween 2 is another thing okay well then halloween 3 can be whatever the fuck it wants to be exactly but because they were kind of forced to make two yeah it sets three up for failure Mm -hmm. and it's it's super disappointing because what a fucking cool idea to have a new movie every year like that is I would love that. I think that's the thing that, and it's still something. I watched a lot of interviews with um, Tommy Lee Wallace where he talked about how just because they didn't really have the success that they hoped they would, Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean the idea is dead. You could still very easily do this. That's what I'm saying. I wish they would have just did like a Halloween Presents or whatever, you know, something else besides i think i think the thing is is that without the name without it being that sequel i think this they is would just have, another exactly yeah and so if they were to just have called even if they were just to call it season of the witch yeah can you ensure and that's you know it's just such a they put them in such a difficult spot yeah. i gotta say too what a badass title i don't know if it fits um barely <laughs> i know that technically it does it barely fits uh. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk um, I did want to talk, I did mention in the intro, we've been talking about how it was that idea to bring back this kind of anthology every year. 
Um, I watched a documentary from Shout Factory as well as reading an article in Fangoria and an interview between Tommy Lee Wallace and Sean Clark. So there's a lot of overlap of information about, I guess, the beginning stages of this project. Right. Mm -hmm. And it did start with Deborah Hill and John Carpenter being open to making a new Halloween movie Mm -hmm. as long as it had nothing to do with Michael Myers and Laurie Strode. Damn. Because they said that was creatively Halloween 2, the end of that, that's a definitive end. Yeah, yeah. It really is. And if you were never to make another Halloween movie, that's that saga could yeah. have been done. And what's really funny is if you go to four, <laughs> and we'll obviously talk yeah, about well, it when we get to four. <laughs> there's a lot of it's interesting. hilarious. But Tommy Lee Wallace was actually asked to direct Halloween 2. All right. And because he didn't like the script and the direction they were taking towards being more of a graphic slasher versus right. the subdued thing of the first one, he didn't want anything to do with it. I think that he saw the wig they had for well, Lori and he was like, <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> I think we all had some complaints about that. <laughs> I enjoyed Halloween 2. <laughs> Halloween 2 is good, but... It's, it's, it's it a, is good. It's a serviceable yeah. because... That wig was upsetting. Yeah, no, it was. Yeah, that was probably the worst part of it. <laughs> But I, I think that um, Tommy Lee Wallace is kind of perfect for this film because he kind of has almost a similar sensibility to Carpenter. This feels like a Carpenter it film. Does. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so I think that that helps kind of have that continuity to where even if it isn't Michael Myers, this still weirdly feels like the Halloween franchise. It does. And it's Dean Cundy, too, exactly. right? Exactly. I so, mean, you get the vibe. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I think that it sucks because <laughs> I was like trained to hate this. Film. <laughs> trained. <laughs> I'm like hitting punching bags like, and uh, shit. Clockwork orange. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> My eyes are just <laughs> pinned open. <laughs> but even though it's like not completely successful, it is not um, the dumpster fire that a lot of people have led you to believe it is. Yeah. There's a lot of fun to be had here as a standalone. Mm hmm. It's funny to me because when you're watching videos and you're reading stuff about this, a lot of the titles of the articles or of the videos are, is it that bad? Is <laughs> Halloween 3 that bad? Is Halloween 3 good? Like, all of the titles are like... Everyone's so surprised. Uh, yeah. <laughs> when, when I got done with this, I kind of, to me, it reminded me a little of Prince of Darkness. Like Prince of Darkness is good, but there is times where it's like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? I mean like, <laughs> this movie isn't bad, but there's times when you're just like, what the fuck is that? It's like, what is happening here? But it's, it's one of those, if you give it a chance, you'll probably fall in love with it. Oh, no, yeah. yeah. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Less uh, spitting in mouths, though. I do, Which I do is appreciate a welcome it. change. No, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> now, before we put a mask on this film, we would like to issue a warning for spoilers. Pod Mortem is a very in-depth podcast, and in thoroughly discussing horror films, we have no choice but to spoil a thing or two. If you don't wish to be spoiled, please go watch the film, then come back and enjoy the show. If you've already seen the film or don't care about spoilers, let's count down to Halloween. So the film begins through static and high-pitched computer noises. The foreboding synth score kicks in, and we get the title, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. The opening credits continue, orange lines filling the screen, each line a stab of sound. Sections of the picture are slowly removed, forming voids within the lines until it settles shakily and is revealed to be a jack-o'-lantern. I did want to say that even though this was supposed to be the beginning of something new, Mm -hmm. I really appreciated that they found a way to incorporate the jack-o'-lantern into the intro. Right. But in a new way. Absolutely. It's kind of giving you the message of, like, we're the same folks. But but. this is something different. Exactly. 
I I don't know. I was like, what the fuck's happening? <laughs> no, it's pretty intense. Yeah. I mean, just right off the rip, it's like, what the yeah. fuck? But it gets to the point where you're like, it's a jack-o'-lantern. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no. Okay. Show me the jack-o'-lantern. <laughs> it, it, it does. It's very interesting, though, that that's that they use this like that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it does, I guess, kind of date it. Uh, Maybe. But, but uh, it does look cool, though. Yeah. I will say that. It, uh, it did... It, it didn't i wouldn't say it gave me the feeling of halloween uh-huh. but it gave me the feeling of oh this is a halloween movie mm-hmm. yeah you know what i mean not michael myers but like oh so this is halloween now. around yeah. Halloween. Yeah, yeah yeah but we press into the jack-o'-lantern and the screen flashes white in a way that's both unsettling and hypnotic so i did really quickly i wanted to talk about this in the intro but this is the perfect time for it now mm-hmm. you get a credit that reads written and directed by tommy lee wallace uh-huh the reality of that, which I learned from a few interviews, is the first script of Halloween 3 was actually written by a writer named Nigel Neal. And he was a British writer who wrote a lot of science fiction. Uh-huh. He actually wrote uh, Quatermass. Oh, shit. Which, if you recall, was it Prince of Darkness that yes. Carpenter took the pseudonym? Yeah. For some reason. But <laughs> I was going to say, just because he felt like just it. Just because he felt like it. But what he wrote was very like Twilight Zone Mm -hmm. and Night Gallery, and it didn't really have the conventions that had been set up in modern horror films. And so they kind of gave him some corrections on it, and he was so like, I guess he didn't take them well, and so he told them to take his name off the project. Oh, wow. (laughs) And, And so John Carpenter's like, okay, well, I'll rewrite it. Yeah. And then when he rewrote it, Tommy Lee Wallace didn't like it. And so <laughs> they're like, we're gonna yeah, make this. No, no. <laughs> we're running out of time. <laughs> no matter how many hands it has to pass through. But Tommy Lee Wallace rewrote it. Right. But he says that his was like the least contribution and Nigel Neal's was like sixty five percent of the film. But yeah. he got all the credit. But he gets all the credit. Why not John Carpenter? I don't know. I don't know. I always wondered and Deborah Hill, her she was the one that came up with the idea. She said witchcraft and the um and computers. That was her idea. She said one sentence, and that is where this film came from. And, and they're so like, they're like, like, she didn't she do anything. Didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, give her something. <laughs> but I did want to say I love the score. The score yes. is uh, John Carpenter again. Yeah. You can tell. Uh, with Alan Howard. Yeah, you can. From Halloween 2. Yeah. So, JP, hopefully. Yeah. That no, was your yeah. favorite. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's banger. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but I did read Carpenter did help a lot on the pre-production. All right. But when it came time for production, he was busy doing post-production on The Thing. Hell oh, yeah. All right. And so Tommy Lee Wallace kind of had free reign. That's awesome. And then um, Carpenter, of course, comes back to do the music. But I this is Wallace's film. Yeah. But we cut to a road under an overpass at night and get on-screen text reading Northern California, October, Saturday, the 23rd. The music pulses and picks up as we see a man in the distance running for his life. This is Harry Grimbridge, played by Al Berry. Harry looks back, and when he sees the headlights of a pursuing car piercing the night, he seeks refuge at an auto body shop. Anybody else think of Christine? Yes. I was like, this is nah. literally a scene from Christine. <laughs> said, There's people in the car, though. Yeah. That's the only, <laughs> the only difference. But Harry bangs on several doors but gets no response and dips low when the pursuing car slows down just outside the shop's fence. The car continues down the road but reverses as Harry hides behind a trailer. The car then enters the lot and Harry sneaks around back of an El Camino to try to run away but instead runs into a man in a gray suit. 
the man's like El Camino and fucking <laughs> throws him against the car, wrestling him to the ground. When they were stopped, I was like, is that two Michaels? I was <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what happened? Dude, and you're not fucking around because these people move like Michael Myers. They yes, absolutely do. And they're yeah. silent. And they look like agents from The Matrix. I, yeah. Yeah. I didn't understand why. They, I, I have not been more confused at the start of a film. Yeah. <laughs> but they well, throw you right out the gate. Oh, no, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But the man chokes him, but Harry reaches out, pulling a chain that releases a tire block, sending a car rolling toward them. I just wanted to point out while he's getting choked that I've never seen anyone strangle someone so lackluster. <laughs> yeah, like, his face no, could not give a fuck. Shit. No, they're just... <laughs> <laughs> that kind of <laughs> he's like, I don't even have to put 100% in yeah. yeah, He did not give a shit. <laughs> but the man slowly turns to see the car approaching, but is too late... And he's crunched between the rolling car and the El Camino. <laughs> Somehow, he dies instantly. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. That okay. would suck, but he had time to move. He did, yeah. He, he had more and than he, enough time to move. He even turned like he didn't care. He's like, oh, great. You know, <laughs> yeah, he did not give a shit. I've never no. seen a more apathetic murderer. I don't know. You know, We don't know their story yet, but... Mm-hmm. Um, it also made me laugh that this dude thought of this. I would have fully expected as the strangle E to be crushed by that car. Absolutely. Yeah. But he's like, no, the height, like yeah. it's, it's just yeah. going to pin him. His, <laughs> his shoulders are just brought up. <laughs> <laughs> that made me laugh. That was great. And it was the way he slumps. Like, yeah. oh, I guess that's it. Well, he's yeah. done. Yeah. But Harry crawls out from underneath the guy's corpse, watching as another man exits the car that was after him. He then just takes off through a junkyard and into the night as thunder rumbles and lightning strikes. So immediately it's like, there's more? Yeah. And like you were so, again, giving no effort into killing him. Yeah. The other dude's like, I don't even need to help. Like, yeah. this is going to be fine. So like, whatever happens to him happens yeah. to him. As long as another car doesn't come and pin him, yeah. I, he's going to be fine. There's only so many tire blocks here, dude. Yeah. I did from this at the start, I was like getting Men in Black vibes, not right. the film, the conspiracy theory. Right. Yeah, yeah. Because these emotionless people coming in, they're clearly after something. Yes. Yeah. And um, we'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> but we cut to a gas station underneath a downpour of rain, text at the lower third reading, one hour later. Inside the gas station, we see B-roll shots of Stonehenge on the television as a reporter states that British authorities are still baffled after the theft of the Blue Stone, which was one of the 19 stones meant to represent the 19-year cycle of the moon. I'm sorry, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like this is really not acknowledged. No. <laughs> no, and the... I was like, they fucking... Somebody stole yeah, Stonehenge? Yeah, a piece of... Like, and not a, I'm sorry, I said a piece. Yeah, I, yeah no, no, no. no. A fucking, like, column. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the the reporter's tone is very even. Yeah. yeah. I'd be like, I don't care about, like, standards and practices. I'd be like, someone's fucking stole. <laughs> yes. How did you so steal that I? without anybody seeing you? Great question. You wouldn't believe like, it. We got some logs. <laughs> we left, laid it down. <laughs> Yeah, you know, if you just roll it, it's, yeah, not yeah. <laughs> it's really not that bad. It's not that hard. But considering that the stone weighs five tons, they say it's quite the mystery. I would, I would <laughs> yeah. say so. Yeah. <laughs> but the camera pans over to Walter Jones, a gas station attendant played by Essex Smith. The broadcast cuts to commercial, and Walter lowers his magazine to watch an ad from Silver Shamrock Novelties. To a quick Cynthia organ, 
A voice sings in the melody of London Bridge is falling down, alerting the listeners that there are eight more days to Halloween, closing it out with a silver shamrock. A bop. Yes. Now get used to this. (laughs) (laughs) I hope y'all liked it. Yeah. (laughs) The kids are digging it. Oh, they were. They were their heads back and forth. Yeah. (laughs) But this repeats as we see a child's face bopping side to side which transforms to a mask of a skull, jack-o'-lantern, and a witch. I honestly want them all. They're great. Yeah. I hope that they sell them. The The more this movie gets the recognition it deserves, mm. I'm hoping every Halloween they start doing the Silver Shamrock. Yeah, they're pretty simple, but they look cool. They do. Yes. And they showed up in uh, Halloween Kills. Yeah. yeah. All the more reason to start selling yeah. them again. <laughs> <laughs> but an announcer says that you could own the Halloween 3 three masks to choose from they're fun frightening and they glow in the dark now the announcer is tommy lee wallace (laughs) which is really cool that's great but the funny thing that i learned from an interview is that the singer of the song is also tommy lee wallace (laughs) (laughs) they like alvin and the chipmunk (laughs) but it's fantastic i i did want to talk about the masks themselves They were actually designed by a guy called Don Post. And Don Post not only made the mask in Halloween 2, but he also did uncredited effects work on Invasion of the Body Snatchers in 56. Oh, Oh, nice. And that is a big influence on this film. All right. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. it is. But they call this guy, Don Post, the godfather of Halloween because they say that not only did he pioneer the over the head latex mask, some say he invented it. Mm -hmm. What? Yeah. But he also pioneered licensing of films to make masks for. Oh, nice. So oh, this dude, yeah. yeah. That is... Well, I'm sure he's seen an opportunity. Absolutely. Like, yeah, that's like, this incredible. Is, yeah. <laughs> I did this. Because <laughs> you don't think that somebody had to do that for the first yeah. time. No, like you, dude. That's, no, yeah. so, that's a lot. And the reason, obviously, for London Bridge is because it's public domain. Oh, so, all right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Deborah Hill, because they were going to hire a guy... And this is, I guess, how much of the budget they had left. Yeah. They said they asked a guy to do the jingle and he said, I'll do it for $550. And they said, we can't afford that. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> so Deborah Hill is like London Bridge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it works. It, yeah, does. it does. But just as the ad ends, thunder crackles outside and the electricity in the building goes off. Walter looks around as he hears something moving about the property. He then peers through the window but sees nothing. Then out of nowhere, Harry reaches out to him through the dark and then collapses on the floor. He clutches a jack-o'-lantern mask in his hand and through a raspy breath tells Walter, they're coming before passing out. Well, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, even you got a sweet ass mask. We all see yeah. that, okay? We're all proud of you, Walter, <laughs> Harry or whatever. Whatever your what name is. <laughs> but you can't do that to somebody. I'm like, like right now? No, yeah. Yeah, it's terrifying. Who is coming? And then good night. Yeah. like, no. <laughs> Wake no. up. Wake your ass up. But we then cut to Walter's truck speeding away from the gas station, Harry in the passenger seat. But as Walter drives away, another man in a suit steps out of the shadows looking on. In the next scene, though, Dr. Daniel Chalice, played by Tom Atkins, arrives home. It's the man of the hour. (laughs) (laughs) He calls out, asking if anyone is home, and is promptly greeted by his excited children, Bella and Willie, played by Michelle Walker and Joshua John Miller. Not as excited to see her children sprint away from the dinner table is Linda, Chalice's ex-wife, played by Nancy Kyes, Annie Brackett herself, and Tommy Lee Wallace's wife at the time. Uh, that's fucking cool 
But Linda lightly scolds the children and they do not care at all. And just mm. <laughs> they ask their father what he brought them, yeah. which is not really <laughs> good, yeah. good child etiquette. It's like, hey, whatever, what mom, you what'd you yeah. bring us there? <laughs> but he hands them a couple of brown paper sacks and they reach inside to find a couple of Halloween masks. They look less than thrilled and tell their father that their mom already got them masks. Bella goes, yeah, silver shamrock. And the kids retrieve the masks. They throw them on, Willie in his skull mask and Bella in her witch mask, and they begin to sing the jingle from the commercial. That's excellent branding. Yeah. It is. <laughs> <laughs> like, we got the kids. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but he's like, you already bought the masks. That's why God made fathers, babe. <laughs> to buy the masks. Dude, that creep shows the same year. He had a good year. Yeah. He did. That's a good fucking year. But Linda offers a nice try to Chalice. Chalice asks Linda how she's been, but in a tone that reeks of obligation. It's like he doesn't really care. He doesn't. Before she can answer, Chalice's beeper goes off and he says that he has to answer it. So Linda sarcastically remarks, drinking and doctoring. Great combination. She's not wrong. No. Um, It's weird because... You can tell that there's tension here, yeah. yeah. But it's almost like playful, like oh, this is so you to come in and do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. it doesn't feel like they have a horrible relationship. But as the film goes on, I think they have a horrible. I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, it I, doesn't seem that bad here. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, is that Nancy Kai's Nancy Loomis is very snarky in every character she yes. plays, right? And so you get the feeling that that's just her. Yes. No. no. Yeah. <laughs> But the kids get tired of singing the song and decide to sit down and watch TV. As soon as they switch it on, the Silver Shamrock ad begins to play. The kids are vibing with it, but turn it down when their mother tells them to. They barely fucking turn yeah. it down. <laughs> well, I mean, it was like a 10 to a 9. It's, yeah. Technically, they turned it down. But Chalice makes the call on the phone, learning of an incoming patient's condition. He tells a visibly annoyed Linda that he has to go, and we abruptly cut to him at the hospital. One thing I'll say about this film, I, I'm i not exactly a fan of the editing. Right. Because you see at the end of this scene, Linda is straight up about to say something and then yeah. it just cuts. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, okay, I guess that's it. <laughs> and then later on, there's some confusion caused by a really weird edit. Yeah. Like, I, I don't... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but I, I would have liked to hear what she had to say. Yeah. Because yeah. I love I love her. But at the hospital, Nurse Agnes, played by Mady Norman, updates Chalice. She says the patient's condition is stable, but a Dr. Castle had to leave early, so she thought she'd call him. Dr. Castle. Yes. <laughs> very smart. Nick Castle. And, and again, more with Wallace doing the carpenter thing and just putting your friend's name. I was yeah. about to say, yeah, this is very just on par. Yeah. I did want to call out Mady Norman. I did read that this was actually the last film that she appeared in. Oh, um, wow. I think she passed away in 1998. But you both recently watched this film. She was, she played the character of Elvira in... Hell yeah. yeah. Whatever, Whatever Happened, Happened to, to Baby, Baby Jane. Jane. Yeah. yeah. So great filmography. Yeah. yeah. But they approach a gurney, which Harry is lying on, still clutching the pumpkin mask. Walter is also there with a police officer and a couple other hospital personnel. That did kind of make me laugh because it's like, okay, we get it. Uh, the fact that <laughs> they took his clothes off. He's in a hospital gown. Yeah, yeah. But he, but they're like, no, he needs his <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It seems to be comforting him in some way. Yeah. It stays with him. It does, yeah. which I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> this is really funny. But Walter explains that Harry just came in out of the rain and that's really all he knows about it. As they start to wheel Harry to room 13, Chalice thanks Walter for bringing him in. 
After confirming that he's not going to get in any trouble, Walter asks if he can leave. Chalice gives him permission, but the camera rests at the side of the stopped gurney, the doorway of a room in the background with a television on the wall. The Silver Shamrock ad begins to play again, which causes Harry to wake up in fright. Through gritted teeth, he tells Chalice, they're going to kill us, all of us. Walter's basically like, none of my business. Yeah. <laughs> he just leaves. <laughs> well, that doesn't look it. good, though, because oh, no. he's telling Not the doctor that. And if you turn around and look, dude looks shady as he shit. He did. And then he's like, yeah. See ya. <laughs> Once again, my name's Paul. This shit's yeah. between all. Because not only does he leave, he like jogs. Oh, out no, the- he yeah. does. He's like, I'm not here for that. <laughs> right, you said kill. No. Yeah, no, 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 we don't want any part of that. But Chalice requests that Nurse Agnes gives Harry 100 milligrams of Thorazine, and so she rushes off to get it. This could be 1980s hospital protocol, Yeah. but Dr. Loomis also recommended Thorazine for Michael Myers. Right. So I didn't know if it was a... I'm sure it was. Yeah. I would hope so. But we then get a shot of a man in a gray suit standing outside the hospital. It's very brief and very ominous. Yeah. No, it's, un- it's unnerving, yeah. though. And it feels weird there. Yeah, well, yeah. But But sure. I'm also here. It's like, all right. (laughs) But later that night in room 13, Chalice asks Nurse Agnes who his next patient is, but Agnes tells him that aside from Harry, it's been a quiet night. Chalice says that he could use a nap and asks Agnes if she wants to take one with him, but she just laughs it off. Sir. (laughs) Man, this dude. He's... (laughs) I will say, though, I feel like... (laughs) And I'm not trying to tip any hand too early here. Uh But I think that Agnes and maybe his ex-wife are the only people in this film that can resist him. (laughs) (laughs) That's a very fair point. Because you guys remember in the other guys, every woman that Will Ferrell meets, that's the energy that Tom Atkins gives in this. (laughs) And this, I mean, and the fog as well. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Dude is just, (laughs) he's got something. (laughs) Something in his contract. (laughs) (laughs) I did want to say for some reason, because this was only when we decided to cover this film, maybe the third time that I've seen it. Right. Mm-hmm. And it took me until this time. I never caught it, but Linda's his ex-wife. Yeah. And for some reason, I had thought that that was his wife-wife. Oh, And I'm like, oh. he's just trying to cheat <laughs> yeah, this no. entire film. <laughs> With everyone. <Yeah. laughs> but it's not that. It's like, no wonder your wife hates yeah. you. Yeah, what the, I get it. I understand. But Agnes tells him that there are pillows in the cabinet of the doctor's lounge, as well as milk and cookies in the fridge. He pats her on the butt, saying that he should have married her. She then smacks him really hard on the ass and reminds him that she plays for keeps. Agnes. (laughs) (laughs) But they both laugh, and the camera pulls back to reveal that man in the gray suit watching them from further down the hall. Now, once again, there is no Michael Myers in this film. No. But this is giving the shape energy. Yeah. Absolutely. And there, this is one shot, and there's a shot that comes up later where if you do it real quick in a trailer... Yeah. You might think. You might assume. Mm. But Chalice steals a cookie from the fridge, and we get desolate shots of the empty hospital hallways. So we talked in the intro about Dean Cundy being the cinematographer. This feels straight out of Halloween too. Yeah. yeah. The empty halls. And I was going to say yeah. the fact that it's a hospital, like a lot of this was scratching that itch, Absolutely. honestly. And it, I, there's something about the language of this film that is so Carpenter, and I think that Dean Cundy is a big reason why. Yeah. yeah. But we then cut to the gray slacked legs of the man in the suit creeping down the hall. Chalice, meanwhile, shuts off the lamp and lies down to take the nap after eating another cookie. 
The man in gray dips into a room, slipping on a pair of black gloves as a humming Agnes walks by with a tray to tend to one of her patients. I'm immediately concerned for Agnes. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Like, stay the fuck away from Agnes. Yeah, I. she seemed very fun <laughs> and very nice. <laughs> and she plays for and keeps. She play- yeah. <laughs> Who can deny that? That's great. Yeah. <laughs> I did want to say, you hear me keep saying gray man in a suit. Right. There, I looked a lot and there seems to be only one gray suited man who gets a credit in this film and so i don't know if it's because they don't they don't speak yeah well are we sure that they i mean well we'll talk (laughs) (laughs) but when agnes is out of sight the man continues on reaching harry in room 13 he inches closer to harry's bed throwing his gloved hand over harry's mouth harry's eyes widen his hand still clutching that pumpkin mask yeah, so they patched him up, put the mask back on him, and then in a room? They're like, now sleep it off. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. They're like, no, what, he, really? he came but, in with that. Yeah, what was physically wrong with him? Well, he, exhaustion, he ran a lot. Yeah. And he did get choked a little bit. Oh, that's yeah. right. He's got a bruised trachea or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but the gray-suited man raises his other hand into a fist before forming a C with his index finger and thumb. Harry closes his eyes as the man brings his fingers down forcefully into both of Harry's sockets. Harry kicks violently as the man's fingers squish around for a moment until finally he wrenches them forward and we hear and see a bone break. The man then wipes his bloody gloves on a nearby drape. All right. That was insulting. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, he, he, he's like, ooh, is this silk? Yeah. He, just, was, he, yeah, he lingered. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> he lingered for sure. My thing was, it looked like he was going to punch him in the face. Yeah. I was not expecting him to like bowling ball him. No, like, no, no, that no, no. Was, uh, That was a lot. I that was, was brutal. Shocked. And seeing the bone break, you like hear it and it's, right. yeah. it's a lot. So he did what now? Like he broke his nose or something? I think or he, he, like, he I don't... gouged his eyes and then I think he fucking, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. In other words, I don't know. Yeah. Those are, those are yeah. medical terms. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he uh, crushed his cranium. Okay. <laughs> got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. But it did not seem like this was the first time that this has been done. No, no. yeah. Like there was a, this was a practiced motion. Right. Yeah, the way that he moved his fist to the sea yeah was he was weird. like the old yeah. <laughs> the old claw like he's ready but it was yeah it was a lot and i will say that he does drop his mask as yeah. he's dying mm-hmm. which uh, obviously comes up later which in all fairness i feel like they they really don't treat it as the evidence it deserves to be right. not at all I, they don't treat anything that yeah. just happened no, here no, no. or anything that's about to happen the way that they should that is very fair and i was like why why are you sticking around for so long feeling on curtains and stuff like and there's no um <laughs> no <laughs> yeah, there's yeah, nothing going off this man's not hooked well, up to anything yeah. while he's being murdered. Well, it's Nothing's just a bruised trachea. Got it, got it. <laughs> and if the police were, were involved, shouldn't somebody be watching him or there? Yes. Or? God, yeah. I guess the police are like, well, our work's done. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. napping. Like, yeah. What do you want, what do you want us to do? But Agnes returns to find the man cleaning up, asking what he's doing here. But instead of answering, the man walks by her silently, very Michael Myers-like, mm-hmm. yeah. in both posture and demeanor. Yeah. But Agnes screams, which wakes Chalice, who runs down the hall to check on her. It's like, this is laser focus. He came for one target. Mm -hmm. Agnes literally got in his way. Didn't even give a shit. Walked right past her. Like, this is like a lot. That's not what he's here for. He's like, I heard you play for keeps. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Who am I to fuck with that? Yeah, I don't want any part of it. (laughs) 
But the camera flies past Agnes as she tearfully points Chalice in the direction of the exiting man. I, I feel like this is one of the sequences, but again, with the Carpenter stuff, mm. a lot of Panaglide. Yeah. yeah. Which I love. Mm-hmm. But Chalice follows the man as he leaves the hospital and enters a car in the parking lot. As Chalice calls out to him, we see the man sitting in the driver's seat of the car, lifting a can of gasoline and drenching himself in it. <laughs> Once again, that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Chalice watches in disbelief as the man lights a match, setting himself ablaze. He said, sorry, Sheriff, but you ain't getting me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but he succeeded. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This actually worked. You ain't getting yeah. me. <laughs> he burns brightly for a moment before the entire car explodes, sending debris across the parking lot. Yeah, we get it. You made your point. <laughs> all right, all right. So dramatic, this guy. Okay. <laughs> Everyone in the lobby joins Chalice outside as sirens wail in the distance. This is the point where I want to say that I read a lot of reviews of this film as I was researching it. And a lot of people dare to call this film boring. Okay. I beg to differ. I'll give you confusing. Yes. You are not going to sit here and fucking yeah, make I don't all think this boring. boring was going on. <laughs> the sequence we just watched. Yeah. What the fuck? No fucking way. No fucking way. <laughs> but later that night, the hospital is abuzz with police officers and firefighters. Chalice, on the phone in the doctor's lounge, calls his ex wife to let her know that he won't be able to pick up the kids tonight. Linda is not here for any excuses, though, and gives him an earful. He finally breaks through, telling her that two men died here tonight and it wasn't an accident. Yeah, I feel like there's still more that you could have said. Well, yes. Man one, murdered man two, and then lit himself himself on on fucking fire. Yeah, but I feel like even the small what he says, that should be enough to like, all right, all right. It should be enough, but maybe, you know. But I, I, yeah, a a little more. (laughs) (laughs) You know, maybe she's like, yeah, sure, two men died. But I think my thing at the start is like, you don't start with, look, I'm not going to be able to pick up the kids. No, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> there's there's more pressing uh, yeah. <laughs> you're bearing the lead yeah. Yeah. so we hit a little snack yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but after hearing that she does soften a little bit and they reschedule for chalice to see the kids on saturday morning they get off the phone and chalice just sits there still reeling from what he saw earlier now i will say when she is giving him an earful he puts the phone down and he looks at a police officer and he's like, my ex-wife. So <laughs> he's kind of, he's kind of a dick. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, you know how it yeah. is. Yeah. And the cop's like, mm, yeah. <laughs> but one of the cops goes to use the phone, setting down the jack-o'-lantern mask from Harry's room. Chalice just picks it up and it is definitely evidence of some kind. Yeah. But he does eye the large silver shamrock medallion on the back of the mask. People move in and out of the room as Chalice remembers Harry's words. They're going to kill us all. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I guess he did wake up when the commercial came on, but that commercial would wake anybody up. <laughs> I don't know that I would be like, he said, they're coming to kill us all. This but mask. This mask. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't think I would put that together. I think I would wonder why it was so important to him. Yeah. All right. Maybe that. But I don't know if that's a connection. We all have yeah. security items. Like, I mean, that's maybe true. his is a mask from <laughs> his. <laughs> the pumpkins are coming. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, uh... <laughs> be, be what are you clear. talking about? <laughs> 
But the next morning, we see the car still smoking in the parking lot as we get on-screen text reading, Sunday the 24th. Chalice eyes the parking lot from a window in room 13, but when he directs his attention back to the room, in walks Ellie Grimbridge, Harry's daughter played by Stacy Nelkin. With wide eyes, she approaches the bed, which still holds Harry's body covered by a blanket. She asks if it's her father, but the sheriff, played by John McBride, stops her, telling her that she does not want to see. She says that she just wants to get it over with, and so without any hesitation, he just lifts the blanket. He's like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> you said. <laughs> she gasps, seemingly stifling a gag before confirming that the man is her father. I can't put my finger on why, but I feel like her needing to identify the body is kind of strange to me. The fact that they called her, the fact that he looks exactly the same, the fact yeah. that this town is pretty small. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good point. So I don't know if they made yeah, a big deal out of it. Not only that, they checked him in. Yeah. So you yeah. know who he is. <laughs> so I, it's kind of, I don't know. It was odd to yeah. me. Yeah. But Ellie asked the sheriff what happened to him, and the sheriff sums it up as some crazy man and says that he killed himself in the parking lot right after. Drugs, probably. I'm sorry. <laughs> what? <laughs> what evidence? Yeah. Do you have? Oh, none. <laughs> Drugs, probably. probably. Yeah. Not the, even maybe. Probably. Yeah. But Ellie replies in disbelief, but the sheriff assures her that it's under investigation. He tells her to go get some rest and says she'll feel better afterwards to answer some questions, and hopefully he'll have some answers for her as well. As she leaves, hospital workers arrive to collect Harry's body. <laughs> I thought that was the funniest shit. She's leaving. They're just coming in with the gurney. He's like, oh, let's no, go. excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be leaving with you. Yeah, yeah you just hold on. <laughs> but Chalice heads out as well, throwing his coat over his shoulder like a badass. He finds Ellie crying in the hallway, but just watches her from afar and walks away instead of offering any kind of condolences. Well, so my knee-jerk reaction was to chastise him for not going to comfort her. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like... This really had nothing to do with you. It like, didn't. all you did was order the man some Thorazine and then ate some cookies and went to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> You've got no ties to In them. all fairness, Agnes has more ties. Literally, yeah. yeah. No, so, does. I'm like, maybe you should have just walked away because we all know you're not going over there no. to comfort yeah. her. He's like, but man, she's pretty. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's all. That's the only reason. <laughs> but we then abruptly cut to the coroner's office with on-screen text reading Wednesday, the 27th. Chalice is there talking to Teddy, the coroner's assistant, played by Wendy Westberg. When asked, she tells him that she really doesn't know anything and that the coroner is still working on it, considering the guy in the parking lot was a pile of ashes when they got to him. Chalice isn't buying the sheriff's hypothesis, though. There's no way this guy was on drugs. Not only was he in total control, but he looked like a businessman. We all know businessmen business don't do drugs. Yeah, yeah Patrick Bateman and, <laughs> and his friends, they never, ever. But Teddy says that businessman or no, the man had to be strong. She says you can't pull a man's skull apart without a little lower arm strength. This is true. That's yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> but Chalice asks if she'll just check on it herself. And when he remains persistent about it, Teddy takes notice of his urgency. But just as he's about to explain, the coroner walks past them so they dummy up. It made me laugh because he's literally mid-sentence. Yeah. Yeah. And then he comes around the corner and he's like, that's why. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> like, at least act like you were talking about something uh, yeah. else. <laughs> and honestly, I don't understand like a little professional courtesy. You, can, you can't talk to the coroner? No, because I mean, I think that he's kind of got some persuasion here <laughs> yeah. that he's using. 
fair. The coroner's like not interested. He's, yeah, he's not, he's well. not uh, an officer or detective. No, like, this right. is none of his business. Not at yeah. all. Although, I mean, I I think I don't know uh, the fact of him being the doctor on duty. Yeah, that's got to mean something, right? I, yeah, I, I, <laughs> sure. Yeah, but he's like, well, I'll just talk to Terry. Yeah. <laughs> But as soon as the coroner's gone, Teddy says that she'll see what she can do, but isn't promising anything. Chalice thanks her, and she reminds him that she was always good at moonlighting. They then engage in a bit of small talk that implies a history of... Uh, oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. yeah. He be fucking. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's one way to... I think my, my script says a personal nature. Yeah. <laughs> no, he be fucking. All right. Yeah. <laughs> John Paul was right. But she kisses him on the cheek and he leaves. She then asks if he's going to be all right, but he doesn't answer. It's like she's clearly pining after him. Yeah. yeah. I did laugh because he, it was very strange. In their little small talk, he was like, you still got the, uh, and then they never said. Yeah, yeah thank you. <laughs> I was, was like, <laughs> that the was what? Confusing, yeah. What do you have? <laughs> the clams? I, that, oh. <laughs> you still got that gorilla grip? Yeah, like, right. what you, <laughs> that what? I don't know. It could be the could be the clap. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I really like, I hope not. Like, no, you did get that ticket. Yeah, because that's right? why we broke up. Yeah. So I mean, I don't it know. Was, no, it was really weird because there was no, there was nothing yeah. after that. No, it was just to imply that stuff has happened. Oh, yes. Yeah. But we then find Chalice at a bar with on-screen text reading Friday the 29th. This is a. a honestly just a stupid observation but okay. it made me laugh that the days are passing so quickly uh-huh. yeah. because it's like he only does one thing a day <laughs> we get one tiny scene and then it's like oh no it's two yeah, days later that's it's it. like, oh okay well dude they skipped four days <laughs> and like, it's like right. the corner's taking this long the fucking like good lord get to work but chalice sits drinking at the bar the smoke from his cigarette rising around him he watches a cartoon on a nearby television, but eventually grows tired of it and asks Charlie, the bartender played by Lloyd Catlett, if he can change the channel. <laughs> He's sitting there drinking and I'm just thinking, dude, don't go over. You got to get your kids in the morning. Like, that's all <laughs> yeah. I was thinking. It is. The- oh, shit. You're Tomorrow right. Tomorrow was Saturday. Yeah. Oh, fuck. I mean. Drinking and doctoring. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what a surprise. What a surprise. But when he does switch the channel. We see a TV spot for John Carpenter's Halloween. Laurie Strode, played by Jamie Lee Curtis, (laughs) cowers at the bottom of the stairs as Michael Myers makes his way down. A voice proclaims that the immortal classic will be showing on television, followed by the big giveaway at nine o'clock. Y'all didn't know that this was an immortal classic. (laughs) It was four years later. (laughs) I love the boldness of that. Very much. They were right. They were right. But I'm like, y'all are shameless. Like, they did not give a fuck. (laughs) But they say that the giveaway is brought to you by, and we hear the familiar synth organ and see the green lights of the silver shamrock logo appear. The same ad from before playing out, only this time it's two more days to Halloween. As soon as the song starts, Chalice makes Charlie change the channel to a football game, and Charlie admonishes him for not having any Halloween spirit. I mean, yeah, but also he was just being a dick about the TV in yeah, general. Yeah. I'm like, why are, you people in the bar? Yeah. why are you acting like that? I did laugh because he's like, don't you have any Halloween spirit? And Chalice goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> but why not? I well, I mean, he's been through a little bit of shit. Oh, maybe. Well, the masks? He's still upset about them? (laughs) (laughs) I buy them the mask. But just then, Ellie walks into the bar and approaches Chalice. 
She introduces herself, as does he, and she says that one of the nurses said that she could find him here. Which, <laughs> what a, <laughs> what a yeah, reputation. What That's, yeah, definitely. He's probably at the fucking bar. Yeah. <laughs> but she thanks him for attending her father's funeral, and he gives his condolences. She then comes out with it, asking if her father told him anything the night that he died. He's like, it was uh, like, uh, they're going to kill us all. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. It was dark. <laughs> but Chalice just lies to her, saying that Harry told him to tell Ellie that he loved her. She calls him out for the lie, but thanks him for it. It was a, it was a bad lie. Though. Yeah, it was a bad lie, but it's very sweet. It was a sweet lie. Yeah, that's what I thought. But At least it, he was trying to do something nice. It yeah. wasn't. It wasn't convincing. He wasn't like she. He said something about sleeping with the doctor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Please sleep with the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> but before she leaves, though, he stops her with the truth. He saw something that night. At first, he thought Harry was out of his mind, hanging onto a Halloween mask, but. He then remembers Harry's warning. They're gonna kill us all. And shortly after that, Harry was dead. I mean, that, yeah. you know, yeah. One plus <laughs> one. There's some correlation there for sure. Chalice says that he doesn't know what the hell's going on. They then stare at each other for a moment. And then we cut abruptly to the two of them entering a shop. This is what I'm talking about with the editing. Yeah. yeah I was like, okay. Yeah, yeah. And it looks like daytime outside. I'm like, what the hell? Yeah. yeah. Although I guess he could be at the bar during the day. I don't know. He probably was. Yeah. <laughs> but Ellie tells Chalice that this was her father's shop. And we see it stocked with various items, including an entire section devoted to silver shamrock masks on very nice display. Yeah. We also see that the window reads closed until further notice, and it looks about as professional as Dante's shoe polish and clerks. <laughs> <laughs> but Ellie says that the business was getting bad and assumes that Chalice shopped at the new mall like everyone else. At this point, I was like, oh, so the villain's capitalism. Yeah. I can get with that. Isn't it always? Uh, every, every film and also life. <laughs> <laughs> but Ellie says that she can't understand why someone would want her father dead. But she says that she's been doing some detective work turning on an overhead light and directing Chalice's attention to Harry's immaculately kept records. She reads, October 18th, a merchant's council meeting that he attended. October 19th, a football game that he also attended. But she says, October 20th, pick up more masks. They then look over at the silver shamrock display, and Chalice casually says that that's the kind that her father was holding on to. I feel like it deserved more than that. It did deserve a bigger reaction. Uh-huh. And it would also concern me because, like I said, I <laughs> wouldn't have necessarily been like, oh, the masks are to blame. <laughs> yeah. But it kind of seems like he's already leaning in that direction. Yeah. Um, your kids have those masks, dude. He didn't think about that. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> he, he probably didn't remember. Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Yes, that's true. <laughs> But the following entry on the 21st, he had dinner plans with a woman called Minnie Blankenship, but he never showed up or called. She says she can only surmise that her father ran into some trouble somewhere between here and Santa Mira, where they make the silver shamrock masks. So Santa Mira was the name of the town in the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers? Of course oh, nice. it was. So oh, yeah. I like the little nod. Yeah. But she says that they might know something and vows that she won't go back to Los Angeles until she knows the truth. Chalice tilts his head, looking at her, clearly having made up his mind. To me, the look was giving, you know what time it is. Yeah. Oh, oh no, yeah. <laughs> I was like, sir. Really? Yeah. Yes. This time and place? Oh, no, yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's Tom Atkins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
but we cut to Chalice on a payphone, apologizing to Linda, saying that he will not be able to pick up the kids as planned because something's come up. See that right now? I was like, oh, I knew it. You're going to try to fuck this lady, oh, aren't you? 100%. Right? 100%. Um, <laughs> the fact that he immediately goes from that conversation to a payphone. Yeah, yes. right. No, no, no. Because he he had to stop at the at the store first. That is true because we see something in a second. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he lies that it's some kind of doctor's conference and says that he can't remember the name of the hotel that they're having it. It's a really bad <laughs> lie. This dude is just a really bad liar. He's like Walter White. He fucking <laughs> sucks. <Yes. laughs> But Linda shouts that the kids won't even remember his name, but he promises that he'll be back on Halloween to take them trick-or-treating. He then gets off the phone and snags a six-pack of beer from the top of the payphone next to him. Sir. Yeah, what's that for? Uh, great. Are they road beers? They yeah. Beer? <laughs> this is too much. Because I don't know what the fuck is he's doing. This is too much. I was he like, knows what he's doing. Oh, he got, he's got You're a plan. You're fucking yeah. joking. But also during the conversation, he says that he'll be back to take them trick-or-treating. Yes. And then he's like, I'll call you Monday. But Halloween's on, on Sunday. Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, this is the, come on, I gotta go, I gotta go. He's just rushing. He doesn't even think, he's not even thinking straight. It's like something's come up. It's literally. Uh, <laughs> but he just rushes off to Ellie's waiting car, hops in, and they speed away. But the camera pans over to a storefront window, a wall of televisions playing the Silver Shamrock ad. Two more days to Halloween. I did see Sean Clark did a really cool location thing where he went to all the locations from this film. Mm -hmm. And when they went to this place where he made this call, mm -hmm. he said right around the corner is the church from the fog. Oh, <laughs> shit. So it's fucking cool. That's that is cool. But to eerie and ominous organ chords, we join Chalice and Ellie on the road as they ponder why Silver Shamrock put their factory way out in the middle of nowhere. And again, these shots really remind me of the fog. Yeah. It's like, I can't get over... Cundy's just great. That's yeah. all I'm trying to say. <laughs> but Chalice reads a bit from the town's history. Santa Mira, founded in 1887 as a farming community, but after World War II, a wealthy Irishman named Connell Cochran converted the town dairy to a toy factory, Silver Shamrock Novelties. The factory would grow into the largest Halloween mask manufacturer in the world. Still out here, though? Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay. You have a bigger one yeah. in, like, yeah. in New York? Or, like, I don't know. I did see, because you said, you know, the town dairy to the toy manufacturer. Right. Yeah. According to Fangoria, the location for the factory actually was a powdered milk factory in Lolita, California. Oh, oh wow. So they're really just using the real... Right. Yeah. <laughs> it works. But it's kind of cool. But... The thing that gets me is they really make a big deal about them being Irish in this town. Yeah. yeah. It was very odd. I thought it was odd what's left in the film, but what's even worse is what I heard about the original screenplay. Oh, oh no. Wow. In Neil's first draft, they obviously said, obviously it was missing all those horror conventions. Mm -hmm. yeah. Very old fashioned script. But Wallace in that interview with Sean Clark said that there was also a lot, a lot of anti-Irish sentiment. What the fuck? <laughs> and I, I don't really understand. And Wallace said like borderline like classist and like, <laughs> like what ethnically like insensitive shit. So by old fashioned, you mean racist. racist. Yeah. <laughs> got it, got it, got it. Yeah. And so he said, we really cut a lot. 
Holy yeah, shit. And that might have been why he's, he's like, like, take my name off of him. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, if I can't fucking talk shit, then I'm not. Uh, and Carpenter's like, we need to talk to him. Yeah. That's this, crazy. But yeah, because it, and it's nuts because some of the stuff that's still in the script that uh, I read the final draft of, it's stuff that doesn't end up in the film, but it's stuff that I'm pulling my collar on. Ooh. God damn. I'm like, holy shit. But they eventually pass a sign welcoming them to Santa Mira and boasting that they're the home of Silver Shamrock novelties. They pass Rafferty's Deluxe, a gas station. <laughs> They're also driving like right in the center of the road. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Not well, good. You want to see everything. <laughs> <laughs> but outside the station stands Rafferty, played by Michael Curry, who takes notice of their arrival. Also, gas was a dollar thirty-two, just for the yeah, just for the record. Can we just take a break to cry for a while? <laughs> <laughs> but they continue down the road, riding over train tracks and past the Dublin Inn. Just as they do, a silhouetted man watches them from the alley, something they don't take notice of or make mention of. No, but I'm immediately uncomfortable. Yes. Just the way that dude was looking at them driving by oh, from outside yeah. the I, like I don't like shit like that. Oh, no, no, no. You feel like uh, they said it was almost like a Western when an outsider comes in. Yeah. I, sure, that's one way <laughs> to look at it. Well, I was looking at it a different... Yeah, yeah. very. You're like, not from around these parts. Yeah, like, like, that's uh, how I was... Like when we go on a road trip. Yeah, I was a little yeah. triggered, <laughs> yeah. to be honest. <laughs> But the, the shot of the man in the alley, that was one from the trailer that I'm like, that could totally be Michael Myers. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's really like y'all, misleading. Y'all knew what you were doing. Yeah. But they pass the bank and grocery store, workers spying on them through the glass. The town does feel desolate, but Ellie remarks that she feels like a goldfish the way everyone is peering at them. Chalice shrugs it off as it being a company town. I don't really know. In my notes, I have company town. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> uh, maybe all the people that work in the factories or like whatever live there. So, so it's, it's like, like tight like knit. Everybody yeah, works together and knows yeah. each other. So it's like Valentine Bluffs. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, I just didn't like him making me feel stupid by saying it like I should have known. Yeah. It. He's like, it's a fucking company <laughs> town. You never been to a company right. town? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Company <laughs> town. Yeah. And then, hey, hey, Siri, what's a company town? <laughs> <laughs> But as they make another turn, the camera glides high in a long shot, and we see a security camera following them and watching their every move. But as they pull up to the Silver Shamrock Novelties factory, Ellie starts to get cold feet. She admits that she isn't ready for this yet, and so Chalice suggests another plan. They could talk to people at the gas station, pose as a couple of buyers, and slip into a hotel room. A couple rooms, <laughs> a is couple what he rooms. says. Well, yeah. currently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he says that way they could figure out things without the whole town watching them it's it is a good idea on paper uh, it's a it's yeah, a convenient but, idea yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> but the fact that she's like we need to come up with a plan first what did y'all do the whole ride down yeah. here <laughs> split the six pack i don't know <laughs> they were playing the license plate game yeah <laughs> <laughs> But Ellie agrees, and so they head to Rafferty's, which is right next to the Rose of Shannon Motel. So I do, I really love this shot Mm -hmm. because you see that the gas station's there, the motel, but far off in the distance, you see the Silver Shamrock factory. It's like a looming presence. It's really, really smart. And that's the real factory in the town, so this is a real shot. Oh, shit. So it's like, it's brilliant. But Rafferty greets them warmly with an Irish accent. Chalice says that he and his wife need a place to stay, so Rafferty kindly takes them to room number six, telling them that it's quiet, cozy, and the price is right. 
your wife your daughter you mean yeah, yeah. <laughs> first, of all, first of all yes you said a couple we were buyers yeah. getting a couple rooms yes well not oh, 10 no, minutes no. Ago. a couple get yeah. a room exactly. yeah he's you, like you miss her, her. her. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's on me that's on me <laughs> But as Rafferty heads inside the room, Chalice tells Ellie to keep him occupied and he just runs off. As Rafferty shows her the room, Chalice sneaks into the office and looks at the guest book. Among the list of names is Harry Grimbridge, who checked in on October 20th. Chalice then signs his name and pulls out some cash for the room. But outside, Rafferty goes to help Ellie with her bags and comments on the fact that they've barely packed anything at all. But their small talk is interrupted when Rafferty notices a limousine slowly driving down the road. He tells Ellie that it's Mr. Cochran and waves at the vehicle. It made me think of the leader. On That's the exactly, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting a white glove. Yeah. <laughs> but we do get a POV shot from the back window and the person in the back is surveying both Rafferty and Ellie and the sound of the road provides a really low hum in the background. Mm -hmm. So this is clearly a good guy, right? Guys? Yeah. For sure. <laughs> the hero. Yes. Rafferty says that Connell Cochran is a great man and a genius before heading inside with their bag. I love the leader. <laughs> the leader is perfect. <laughs> But just then, a large RV pulls into the parking lot, blasting some funky-ass music. Yeah. <laughs> Chalice returns to the front of the motel as well, but almost gets winged by a bicycle that falls off the front of the parking RV. Little Buddy, played by Bradley Schachter, lets out a daddy as his father, Buddy Kupfer, I guess regular-sized Buddy, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> played by Ralph Strait, steps out to scoop it up. Betty Kupfer, his wife, played by Jadine Barber, joins him, stretching out a bit. Buddy introduces himself to Chalice, saying that they're from San Diego. He also introduces his wife and his son, but little Buddy just snatches up his bike and rides off against his mother's protests. Yeah, little Buddy's a yeah. little asshole. Yeah. <laughs> and Betty is looking at Chalice like she's trying to... Come on. Throw she, it. Oh, I, yeah. I stopped she myself. Knows he but yeah, oh, no. <laughs> she can it's smell like, it on I him. I see yeah, it in her yeah. eyes. <laughs> he had the blackest she eyes. Is, <laughs> <laughs> she is, though. I, well, I I didn't see that. She's a little personally. flirtatious. We're meeting some characters here. Yeah. Yes. In this little scene here. Oh, yeah. yeah. And the fact Chalice gives no um, acknowledgement or offense at the fact that he was almost just like severely hurt yeah. <laughs> he's moved past it he's like hey what's your Betty. name yeah. <laughs> did you notice that when little buddy takes the bike in the street she's like don't play in the street he fucking flips her off okay yeah. i i and he's right by the street yeah <laughs> you yeah, know he goes directly into the street he's trying to see things he's yeah. right down the middle i guess I, th <laughs> I thought that he flipped her off and i rewound it and i was like maybe he's waving he flips her off. I swear either his hand's really thin or, <laughs> or he gave her the finger, but nobody seems to react. Yeah. So maybe it was just a thin hand. I don't know. But it or looked maybe like this is just typical me. I guess. Yeah. But nobody scolds him. But can you imagine? Hey, hey, stay out of the street, little buddy. Fuck, Fuck you. Fuck you. Yeah. That's, that's nuts, dude. And in 82, that would not. Oh, no. Throw a stick in the tire. Like, yeah. Nah, uh -uh. He goes over those handlebars. Yeah. <laughs> But on his way to the room, Chalice bumps into Rafferty, telling him that he already signed in and left $40 on the desk, which Rafferty is overjoyed to hear. As Chalice walks off, 
we hear Rafferty greet the Cupfers by name, and he tells them that their room is ready. I don't know why this creeped me out immediately. Yeah. Because even you already feel like an outsider. They're looking at you like, what did she say? A goldfish in a bowl. Yeah. Yeah. And then, okay, there's some people who are staying in a motel, so they don't live here. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, no, you know them, too. So it's still just us. Yeah, I don't like it. That's scary. But as Chalice heads to his room, he almost gets hit by another parking car driven by (laughs) a very angry woman. They don't. That's the only way they can introduce characters. (laughs) Have them try to hit Tom Atkins. (laughs) But this woman is Marge, played by Garn Stevens, Tom Atkins' wife at the time. That's hilarious. It's a family affair. But she complains about that damn factory, saying that they got the orders mixed up and that she has to stay in this dump again. <laughs> nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> you almost murdered me, but all right. Yeah. <laughs> but as she storms off to her room, we hear Buddy shouting excitedly, hey, honey, it's a freebie. So in the screenplay, there's a longer conversation here. Okay. And Rafferty says, don't worry, Mr. Cochran is taking care of everything. Which is only more creepy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but in room six, Ellie scribbles notes on a pad as Chalice walks in. She tells him that she saw Cochran's car, and he tells her that she was right. Her father did stay here on the 20th. She suggests heading to the factory immediately, but Chalice cools things down, <laughs> saying that they should take their time, seeing as it's late already. <laughs> It is broad daylight. It is, yes. Yeah. <laughs> does he cool things down or does he well, eat things yeah. up? Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> he says his clothes could hold out for another day. But Even then, though they're chafing him? Yeah. <laughs> but he suggests that he gets another room so she'd be more comfortable. Ellie says that would be suspicious considering that they checked in as husband and wife. Yeah. But Chalice then offers to sleep in the car, saying it would be better than sleeping on the floor. This (laughs) is when Ellie asks, where do you want to sleep, Dr. Chalice? Girl, you know where I want to (laughs) sleep. What the fuck? They they look at each other for a moment, and Chalice tells her that that was a dumb question. Yeah. And then he just walks over and plants a kiss right on her lips. I was like, all right. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> we all knew it was coming. We did. Yeah, but it did happen very quickly. Yes. <laughs> Too quickly, one might say. <laughs> and weren't we supposed to make a plan? Or we're supposed there to talk was, about yeah. finding this is the what plan. happened? <laughs> this yeah. is the test. No, this- <laughs> right, we drank the six packs on the way up Yeah, here. that was it. It's like, it's, it's late. It's like, it is, it's like it's 2 like p.m. S- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're having lunch outside. Yeah, because here in a bit, we find out that it's not late at all. Not at all. No. Yeah. No, at all. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. But bells ring across the town, and a voice allegedly provided by Jamie Lee Curtis in a cameo role yeah. comes over the loudspeakers. She says... It's six o'clock. All residents of Santa Mira, please clear the streets. Curfew is now in effect. Six o'clock. Six o'clock. Yeah, that's early lockdown. Yes. Yeah. It, it made me laugh because there was a cat on the street that was like, oh, better, yeah. get, better get home. <laughs> he gets <laughs> scooped up. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, 6 p.m. Um, <laughs> that's it. Um, I feel like you know that these people don't live here. The people are Rafferty. Yes. The guy at the motel. Isn't this something that you would mention to guests checking in that aren't familiar with this town? Like, oh, oh yeah. by the way, you can't leave yeah. your room after, after like six. two hours? Yeah. yeah. That's nuts. 
But we watch as the sun sets, doors closed, and that adorable cat gets scooped up. <laughs> People shutter their shutters. I guess this is what I was like thinking as far as the town closing down at 6 p.m. Even if that is something that's normal, why is why is it so early? Like it's so yeah. early. But they never say why is there a curfew at 6 p.m. It, well, I guess they're too busy banging. <laughs> I would ask that. I'd be like, that's weird, right? Yeah. For a town to yeah, close no down. Shit. It's so early. Right. Yeah. We got to finish up here, but after I'm going to go ask that old man. <laughs> oh, the, and I did men- I wanted to mention the reason I said allegedly Jamie Lee Curtis is because there's another voice that comes up later that is also allegedly credited to Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. But one of them, or possibly both of them, in that interview with Sean Clark, Wallace says is not Jamie Lee Curtis. What? Huh. He said it's a sound alike, but it clearly sounds like Jamie Lee Curtis. It sounds just yeah. like her. I read it was both. I me too. Hmm. So that's why I've been confused because every time I've watched this, I'm like, that's clearly her. Yeah. yeah that's and it makes weird. sense. Yeah, yeah. But I don't I don't know. Uh, I guess we'll never know. <laughs> But we then get atmospheric shots of the town lit by street lamps as music pulses in the background. Security cameras were overhead, sweeping their mechanical eyes across the town. Chalice, who apparently is breaking curfew. Yeah, I yeah. saw a cat on the street and Chalice. That's and both it. of them should have been inside. The cat's new in town too, so don't. Yeah. <laughs> but he leaves the grocery store with a bottle of liquor and a brown paper bag and heads down the alley. But he bought that somewhere, so that place was open. Yeah, they're right. like, we shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> confused but as soon as he gets down the alley he's then jump scared by starker played by jonathan terry who steps out of the shadows he gives a hilarious line about he noticed he noticed that chalice (laughs) is carrying a bottle that looked really heavy (laughs) and he's like i don't have any diseases or nothing and he asks for a drink like as long as you say you don't have any diseases you definitely don't well it's like entrapment you're not allowed to yeah But surprisingly, Chalice obliges and gives Starker the drink. Yeah. I was very surprised by that. You know, he's a doctor. Yeah, that's yeah. true. It's like, I know about diseases. Yeah, <laughs> you don't have any. He's like, ever meet this lady called Teddy? <laughs> <laughs> but he thanks Chalice. But before he can head off, Chalice asks him if he knows anything about Connell Cochran. Starker mythologizes Cochran giving him credit for revitalizing Santa Mira, but he also shares that Cochran brought every single one of his factory workers from outside of Santa Mira and wouldn't hire any locals, including him. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Starker then asks for a dollar, which Chalice gives him, and for that dollar, he gets a warning. Starker says that he's sure he's noticed all the cameras in town and that Cochran is definitely watching him. He then looks around himself, bellowing out, Hey, Cochran, fuck you. <laughs> He's emboldened. Yeah. Chalice is like, hey, take it easy. That one drink. Yeah, that's all it took. <laughs> but oddly, Starker's like, nah, it's cool. He says that it doesn't matter to him and that if Cochran is listening, he has one thing to say. This will be the last Halloween for that lousy factory of his. He says he's heard of some wild shit going down, a ton of rumors, but then he says that he's going to burn it all down. Chalice asks what he's heard, 
But Starker shuffles off, repeating again, this will be their last Halloween. Yeah, no, 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 no. Tell me why, though. Yes. Yeah, come back real quick. Yeah, I, gotta, uh, I, w- uh, I would really appreciate a little elaboration on that. Yeah, no follow-up. Yeah. He's just like, wow, what a strange man. And but just keeps have going. another drink. <laughs> tell me what. Yes. Tell I, me about this. I will this. say, though, I do appreciate that for, you know, a little nip or whatever he had yeah. from his bottle, he did bring his own tea to the table. Oh, that's yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it was a fair trade in my book. Yeah, he did give him a lot to go on. He did. Not enough. No, no. <laughs> yes. Let's not. Uh... <laughs> but Starker continues on through a junkyard, singing the Silver Shamrock jingle and drinking from a bottle of booze. Where the fuck did he get that? Because yeah. <laughs> did he just take it. Yeah. <laughs> no, because he walks away with it. I mean, he said he gave him one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I got my two. booze. Yeah. I yeah. asked for your booze. <laughs> But in a little shack, Starker makes himself an open-faced cheese whiz sandwich and munches on it. I la- he lifted the cheese high, I guess, to aerate it or something. Yeah, yeah man. He's a man of taste. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but as he steps outside again and rounds the corner, he's blasted in the face with a flashlight. We see that it's held by an uncredited man in a gray suit who Starker backs away from. He then bumps into another man in a gray suit. This is the assassin played by our old pal, Dick Warlock. Woo! Yeah. He's in everything. Yeah. Starker falls to his knees crying, telling the assassin that he was only kidding earlier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on, and man. I'm sorry. He's like, dude, I know I said fuck you and all that, yeah. but it was just to get a rise out of that guy. <laughs> I was really trying to make that doctor laugh. <laughs> But as the other gray-suited man holds Starker, the assassin takes off Starker's hat and grabs him by the head with both hands. He wrestles with it a bit in a faraway shot, but when we return in a close-up, the assassin is in the process of ripping off Starker's entire head. He was talking shit. He was. <laughs> That's all it takes? It's like, yeah. Starker, I know you're upset, but there's no need to lose your head over yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You ain't no hollaback, girl. Yeah. But... <laughs> Blood sprays and vessels hang as the assassin tosses the severed head to the ground and Starker's body topples over. But back at the motel, Ellie is walking around out front drinking a Coke from a glass bottle. But out of nowhere, and for no real reason, Marge is sitting in her car and honks the horn at her. (laughs) That's how she says. (laughs) (laughs) She steps out apologizing, saying that she didn't mean to scare her, but asks if she's also picking up an order at the factory. Ellie stumbles over her words for a moment, but then quickly lies that she is. Marge says that there's no other reason to be in this piece of shit town, and she says that Silver Shamrock may do great work, but ever since they started doing big volume business, the little guy has suffered. Again, this feels like a message. Yeah. Yeah. But she says dealing with them by mail is terrible, but then again, so is dealing with them in person, so you really can't win. But she wishes them both luck before turning to head to her room. She then stops, though, and turns back to Ellie, sharing her opinion that the quality of the masks is slipping, too. She pulls out a witch mask from her bag and says, granted, her kid was throwing it against the wall, but the trademark shouldn't be able to come off so easily. Why was your kid throwing it against the wall? (laughs) Fucking witch! She was dude from Book of Shadows. (laughs) But Marge holds the silver shamrock medallion in her hand, showing it to Ellie. But before saying her goodbyes, Marge introduces herself and gives Ellie the location of her shop, which is really smart. 
Wouldn't wouldn't you have felt a little weird that she didn't say anything back? Well, she's lying. No, I, I <laughs> yeah, know, but I'm point. saying, you know what I mean? She's not. She didn't. Oh, and I'm. She's like, you know uh-huh. I mean? yeah. yeah. She's just, <laughs> Very good. She's like, wait, I thought you said we were here for the same thing. Oh, uh, well. Well, and yeah. honestly, she could give the her father's business. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but she's just like, goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> But Marge heads into her room and puts all of her things on the dresser. As she does this, however, the medallion falls to the ground face down, and on the back, we see what appears to be a computer chip. I am worried for Marge Gutman. Absolutely. But later that night, Ellie steps out of the shower, barely wrapping herself up in a tiny motel towel before rushing to the bed to steal a comforter. Now the comforter's wet. Awesome. Well, yeah. <laughs> we only get one comforter. I will say that I don't know how necessary that shot was. It's it's not. Okay. But, <laughs> but back in her room, Marge settles into bed with a book as whimsical music plays in the background. We then cut to Chalice, who is on the phone with Teddy. Teddy tells him someone made a colossal boo-boo and that they've been actually doing an autopsy on parts of the car this whole time. What? I was like, no, that's not. No. That, that has to be the best worst shit I've ever heard. <laughs> you thought a car I don't, was part of a human? Like this man was just fully. Yeah. <laughs> I think he that ate. is his skin so leathery. <laughs> that what? is so yeah. painfully funny, and we're just supposed to be like, "Oh, okay. yeah. we'll be damned." This dude ate a carburetor, or what the like no, nobody, nerd, uh. nobody seems to worry. <laughs> but she's like, two days wasted because someone mixed up the envelopes." I'm like, mm. <laughs> "Did they? Yeah, who fired that man? Because yeah. that's and crazy." For, and for two days, y'all were working on metal, thinking, it was <laughs> "Yeah, <laughs> thought that was bone." <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm losing faith in whatever yeah, office It's like, I'm, maybe I should have talked to the coroner. <laughs> <laughs> but Chalice tells her that he's currently in Santa Mira and will check back in with her tomorrow. He then heads back to his room with a bucket of ice and is greeted seductively by Ellie. She drops her towel to reveal that she's wearing some kind of sexy black negligee. Listen, right. listen. Okay. They, they packed light. Uh, that's what I'm no, saying. Okay. Yeah. We talk a lot about Tom Atkins fucks, da da da, whatever. Yeah. He said, you know what time it is, whatever. Yeah, yeah. She knew. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. She packed that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're friendly real fast. Yes. Like right away. She's like, oh, no, naturally, we're, yeah, we're getting is- it in. Like, no, I got to look cute. Yeah. I'm sorry. Come on. <laughs> little decorum but it's gotta, it's gotta be the mustache, I, yeah. mustache. <laughs> you know he didn't have the mustache in creep show and he was an asshole and he, he grows the mustache now everyone's trying to <laughs> <laughs> i'm just saying i'm just saying and that's the only one out of three films of his that we have not seen him get it in that is, so, yeah. you, you just keep right saying it's the mustache we All figured right. it out <laughs> <laughs> but they start to make out and then they take it to the bed some kind of lounge synth softcore porn music is playing and Chalice gets going with the foreplay. Listen, <laughs> when I turned this movie on, I did not think I was going to see Tom Atkins sucking titties. <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> like... <laughs> that, no, no, that was surprising. Was, yeah. I was caught off guard. <laughs> A little, yeah. Do you want to know something hilarious about that is... In an interview, Stacey Nelkin said that she had a no nipple clause in her contract. And so that was their solution is cover it with Tom Atkins mouth. (laughs) 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 We got to think outside the box. (laughs) I guess so. 
John Atkins is like, this may sound yeah, crazy. But I've got just the idea. <laughs> Who's that? <laughs> Which is? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. But <laughs> they, they cut abruptly to an exterior shot of the motel. And then we cut back to the couple post showing the flesh as they lie in bed. Suddenly, the Silver Shamrock commercial begins to play on the radio, boasting two more days to Halloween yet again. Annoyed, Chalice switches the station to something a bit more sensual, which inspires Ellie to start round two. He really hates that song. Yeah. <laughs> but Chalice stops her after a moment, asking how old she is. Yeah, before round two yeah. is the perfect time to ask how old she is. Apparently. She assures him that she's much older than she looks, and so he rolls on top of her. Can I get like a number? <laughs> <laughs> I, I I don't know. I I did read that very awkwardly. This was one of the first scenes that they shot together. Oh no! Wow. So they kind of was. I I feel like you should have some maybe driving would have been smart. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what do I know? <laughs> but back in her motel room, Marge puts her book and reading glasses on her nightstand. But as she goes to shut off the lamp, she sees the silver shamrock medallion that she accidentally left on the floor. She puts her reading glasses back on to inspect the back of it, eventually pulling a clip from her hair to dig into the computer chip. After a fair amount of poking and prodding, a fucking laser beam shoots out of it directly at her mouth in a loud blast. <laughs> Once again, was not expecting. Yeah, no. <laughs> this, film's, this film's pretty boring, right? <laughs> <laughs> so boring. <laughs> But Ellie hears the sound in room six, but Chalice is far too preoccupied with her breasts to give a shit. She was like, she's like, did you hear that? Or what was that or something? And he's like, I do not care. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he does. But what are you, what are you in Santa Mira for? <laughs> These for titties. This. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. For this. <laughs> See, this is where, this is where character motivations start to get a little murky. Because <laughs> dude, <laughs> to me, that sound, right? No, I, uh, I, I mean, mean I, I mean well, but at the yeah. same time. But when you know that lady's in the next room with one of those masks, yeah, and you're in, like, I mean, but yeah, no, it's fine. Sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but Marge, however, covers her face in shaking hands, and as she removes them, we see that her eyes are bloodshot red, and her lips have been burned away, revealing a bloody mouth of jagged and broken teeth. A large insect crawls across her open jaw, over her eyes, and slinks into her hair. Insult to injury. Once yeah. again. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, was that a bug shooting out of that thing into her mouth that fast? See, I'm <laughs> that fast. <laughs> it's one of those space bugs yeah. we've heard so much. <laughs> well, fuck! It's a laser. Well, I was I like, like, a little like coin. was the? Did she eat the bug before bed? Yeah, she, like what? It's not clear. No, but bugs become important later. Yeah. But at this moment, we're very confused. Yeah. I just want to say I love how the face looked. Yes. Oh yeah. It looked very good. Um, the special effects were done by Tom Berman, who not only worked on the 1978 version of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. All right. He also worked on the original Planet of the Apes. Damn. Holy shit. Did a lot of the work on My Bloody Valentine that we didn't get to see. Aww. But we do now because the extended version right. is on, oh, nice. it's on HBO Max right now from when we're recording. It might be gone by the time we're done. Watch it yeah. and finish this first. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> by, the time, by the time we're done tonight. <laughs> 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 the way they fucking take shit off. But yeah, no kidding. Man. There's a very cool credit that I think we'll all enjoy. Tom Berman worked on 41 episodes of Nip Tuck. 
Hell All yeah. Right. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so this dude's the yeah. fucking... That's the most important credit. Why did you say that first? Yeah, Planet of the Apes. Fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> nah, who cares? <laughs> but we crossfade from that gruesome image back to room six, where the sound of an approaching vehicle wakes Chalice and Ellie. Chalice steps out of bed, revealing his chal ass. <laughs> his Tom Askins. <laughs> <laughs> and he asks what the noise was. After opening the door, he sees a large... <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. He sees a large van with a silver shamrock logo. Yes, yeah. yes. In the parking lot, along with about a dozen men in white lab coats. I feel like y'all could have at least like made it look like an ambulance or yeah. like looked like paramedics or something. Anything. Because this looks shady as fuck. You know when the FBI is surveilling you, it's like a flower company. It's yeah. not <laughs> FBI like, <laughs> printed on the side of the shit, but go off, I guess. But a couple of the white lab-coated men carry a gurney into Marge's room. But Chalice gets dressed and heads outside with Ellie, who wraps herself up in a blanket. As they load Marge's covered body in the back of the van, Chalice tells them that he's a doctor, but the men just hold him back. It was at this point that I realized that Chalice being a doctor doesn't really matter that at much. All. Yeah. And I was like, why didn't they just make him a detective? That would have made too much sense. I guess so. Because <laughs> he could have been the officer there whenever, I guess, uh, when Walter brought in yeah. Harry. But yeah. instead, and yeah. he, I, I just don't, I don't get it. I don't either. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like there's so many things in this when you look too close. It's like, no, why yeah, did y'all do that? I was like, yeah. <laughs> don't do that. Just one, yeah. <laughs> it would be best for everyone. <laughs> But Ellie says that the person on the gurney must be Marge and that she met her earlier. But Rafferty appears out of nowhere saying not to worry because she's going to get the best help money can buy. The van speeds away, Chalice asking who is in charge of the patient, and Rafferty answers, why Mr. Cochran, of course. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You mean the guy that owns the factory? Yeah, some, yeah. He's somehow okay. equipped to... Yeah. I, it's, it's like we get that he's your hero or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is beyond his experience. <laughs> but just then, a limousine pulls up and out steps Connell Cochran, a well-dressed man played by Dan O'Herlihy. Cochran greets Rafferty and then directs his attention to Chalice and Ellie. In a very calm demeanor, he tells them, it's all over, my friends, and assures them that Marge is going to get the best treatment possible. He says that she's getting emergency treatment. Yes. But she's in your care. Uh-huh. And you're here talking to me. <laughs> like, no, I'll meet her there. It's, yeah, no. It's fine. <laughs> okay. This is where I would get even more worried because Chalice asks where they're taking her and Cochran says, oh, they're taking her to the factory. Yeah. What, what the what? fuck are you talking about? Do you have... Is there like a medical bay there? Exactly. Yeah. Like what? And why do you have that yeah. there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that, that should be the follow-up question. <laughs> it raises yeah. further questions. Just a lot of he sa- but he says he goes. We have a remarkable facility for emergency treatment. Why? Why yeah. do you need that at toy factory? But <laughs> <laughs> you're just making masks and shit. No shit. Like what the fuck? How many people are having accidents there that you need that there? You had to build an on-site yeah. <laughs> emergency medical facility. <laughs> But he then immediately goes into a huddle with the lab coats and Rafferty. (laughs) And he asks them what happened. One of them simply says, misfire. We can hear you. Yeah. (laughs) They're on like a sidewalk right there, dude. Like, come on. 
But Chalice moves forward to ask more questions, and Ellie stops him, saying that they can't afford to stick out. As Cochrane gets back into the limo, they slowly back away together, which is honestly more conspicuous <laughs> than just standing there. Yeah. I feel like all the um, supposedly sneaky moves that they do together. <laughs> they know. And one coming up. Oh, my God. Just might be one of <laughs> the funniest fucking things I've ever seen. <laughs> I did want to call out Dan O'Herlihy because according to Dean Cundy, yeah, they said that this man was kind of the Donald Pleasant's presence on this film. Mm-hmm. He was an established actor who gives a very dramatic and theatrical performance, yes. right. kind of gives it a bit of gravitas. Mm-hmm. And I feel that here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This dude fucking brings it. Yeah, yeah, he does. Especially later. There's a monologue we talked about. Yeah. It's like, damn. It's brilliant. I read... <laughs> that uh, he had been asked about Halloween 3 and he said that he had a lot of fun making it and he loved, you know, being able to use his accent and that it was a great time. But the quote ended with, I don't think it's much of a picture. No. (laughs) (laughs) God. (laughs) Be cool, man. (laughs) He's like, yeah, it was fun, but it it was shit. It was not good. Don't watch it. (laughs) At least he had a fun time, I guess. God damn. (laughs) But we do see the van and a couple of silver shamrock cars pull into the factory. But back in room six, Chalice paces around, wondering what they meant by the word misfire. So they did hear him. <laughs> yes. I mean, they were right yeah, there. there. <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was one of the things. Because you see in movies sometimes yeah, where like people... Yeah, like an aside. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, only we hear that. <laughs> they were speaking at full volume. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was a misfire. Yeah. <laughs> But Ellie admits that she does want to leave, but she can't leave until she knows why her father went to that factory. I I do understand that they're making this out to be some grand mystery, but we know why he went to the factory. Yeah. To get the mask. To get the mask. (laughs) (laughs) But the way... Now, I think the thing that gets me is they make it seem like Harry Grimbridge has stumbled upon something. Yes. But they never explicitly say that. Yeah. And they never find any proof that that's what happened. Right. Because right now, it's literally just a guy who owns a store went to a mask factory yeah. like he normally does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And at some point, <laughs> something happened. He yeah. saw something. He saw something. Yeah. But. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's just very <laughs> I strange. Know. I don't know. It's just maybe it's just the way it's written. I don't know. Yeah. That's a really good point because the whole film starts with him running. Yes. Right. And effectively being silenced. And then we're following this thread and then we kind of all forget about yeah. Papa after yeah. a while. <laughs> but he's, yeah, she does call him Papa a lot. Yeah. It's, it's the only reason we're here. Right. Right. Well, maybe not why Chalice is here. No. Right. Yeah. Well, Chalice is more about the phallus, I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, they sit across from each other in the room, eventually falling asleep. And we fade into the next morning, Saturday, the 30th. Chalice reaches out to Teddy again via telephone, and she doesn't have good news. In fact, she thinks someone is fucking with her. The fire obviously burned at a very high temperature, but she says that you should still have teeth or bone fragments, but somehow, all they have left is ashes and car parts. Huh. That's so weird, right? It's very interesting. (laughs) My favorite part of this is that he gives no reaction to this news at all. Not at all. He's like, I know you're already working on that for me, but also work on this. Yeah. (laughs) And he tells her to find out everything she can about Connell Cochran. I don't know why this is on her to do that. No, that's what I was going to say, because I get 
the lab results or whatever, she is hands on. Like that would be her information to right. kind of kick back to him. Exactly. <laughs> this is not in my fucking job description. No. <laughs> I'm looking shit up for you at all. Like you got me scrolling on microfiche and shit. <laughs> no. It's 1982. <laughs> <laughs> no. But she says she'll do it, but it'll cost him a few dinners when he gets back. He says that he's always up for dinner with her. And she jokingly calls him a liar before getting off the phone. I'm starting to see why he got divorced. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But as Chalice hangs up the phone, the camera dips down to reveal what appears to be a listening device secured to the other side of the desk. He's already been warned. Starker. Yes. That that he's listening. That there's bugs everywhere. Nah. He's like, no, not for me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But later that morning, Chalice and Ellie arrive at the factory. Before they make it inside, though, the silhouette of what we can guess is the assassin steps into frame with a music cue, watching them go inside. But at the front desk, the secretary, played by Patty Edwards, says that there must have been some sort of mistake, showing Ellie on a document that her father picked up his masks on the 21st and even signed for them. Ellie is confused and asks the secretary if she remembers that transaction. She says that she doesn't, but introduces them to Red, the man who loaded the order, played by Norman Merrill. Red says that he absolutely remembers that order, a man in an old green station wagon. Ellie confirms this and asks if her father said where he might be going. Red says that he didn't, but he did see that he was heading north. Chalice looks suspicious, but he and Ellie just turn to leave. But when he opens the door, they bump right into the Cupfer family. Buddy greets Chalice warmly and checks in at the front desk for his meeting with Mr. Cochran. Little Buddy whines, asking when they get to see the factory workers making the masks, and his father assures him that it'll be soon. But out of the back room steps Cochran, who shakes Buddy's hand, introducing him to the staff. Cochran lauds Buddy, saying that he has sold more silver shamrock masks than anyone in the country. The staff applauds, but Cochran takes notice of Chalice and Ellie standing by the exit. He heads over to them asking their names and Chalice introduces himself as Mr. Smith. (laughs) (laughs) Cochran apologizes to them for the disturbance the night before, but assures them that Marge is going to be just fine. In fact, she was airlifted to a hospital in San Francisco just last night. He says also, regarding the confusion over their recent order, a full replacement order has already been shipped out free of charge. But that wasn't what the confusion over the order was about. So he's, I it don't wasn't. Know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's a hell of a guy. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's like, this dude is just, <laughs> this dude's great. <laughs> but Ellie looks quite disturbed, but Chalice just plasters a fake smile across his face. Buddy, on the other hand, sings Cochran's praises and asks him if Chalice and Ellie can join them for their tour of the factory. Cochran has a moment of hesitation, but slides right back into affable mode and says they absolutely can if they'd like to. Ellie says that they would love to, and the five of them follow Cochran inside. Yeah, he really didn't. He didn't want them to go. He no. didn't. Yeah. He's like, well, I mean, if they want. Yeah. <laughs> he did. You guys probably, yeah. probably wouldn't even like it, but I guess. Yeah, there's a lot of things that they said it's not for you. Just, yeah. <laughs> just clearly not for you. Or you can come, but but you don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> then he gets to the door. He's like, you sure? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> But the camera pans across factory workers and their materials, pouring liquid latex into molds as Cochran explains the entire operation. The group surveys various unpainted molds of jack-o'-lanterns, witches, and skeletons as they move from room to room. 
So I did say earlier that it was filmed at that powdered milk factory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. These scenes, I believe, were filmed at Don Post Studios. Oh, wow. All right. So it, this might be them making the actual mask. That's oh, really shit. fucking All cool. Right. I thought that was awesome. It was a little strange to me that Halloween is tomorrow and they're yeah. still cranking yeah. these motherfuckers <laughs> out like full steam ahead. Well, it's nuts. They're fulfilling orders still, too. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> were y'all behind or like, that's weird. I saw that silver shamrock commercial. It's yeah. <laughs> one more day to Halloween. <laughs> but after that really awesome looking room, they're taken to kind of a hall of fame room of Cochran's past creations. Buddy hails him as the all time genius of the practical joke. And he explains a bit of history to Chalice. He says that man has always paid attention to detail which I feel like is setting up something. Right. It's very interesting. I did think that, I mean, there's something that comes up later that isn't exactly explained, and maybe you guys can help me out with the age of Cochran. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say Cochran pays attention to the details. He doesn't explain the details. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's like, that's just for Cochran. Yeah. That's just for me. But yeah, I do not know. Okay. All right. He's got like a Willy Wonka thing going he does. on. Yes, uh, yeah. I thought the exact same yeah. thing. And also Buddy is like bragging that Cochran invented sticky toilet paper, which I, if there were any words that didn't go together, no. yeah. uh, that was a what very upsetting to hear. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Dude, I, look, pranks, are, I'm already not a fan yeah. of. No. But that is the most private of times. Yeah, don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would tear someone's ass <laughs> to pieces. After yeah. you got your After ass. I got yeah. my ass back in order. <laughs> but they finally reach a room filled with finished masks. Little Buddy runs up to a table full of jack-o'-lantern masks, asking if he can have one, but Cochran tells him that that badge hasn't gone through the full final processing yet. He reaches into a nearby box, grabbing a completed pumpkin mask and removing it from the plastic. He then places it on Little Buddy's head, and everyone is overjoyed. Buddy does ask, though, what final processing? But Betty just shrugs it off. They then head to another room filled with silver shamrock boxes, and Buddy asks Cochran outright what he meant by final processing. Cochran says that it's just quality inspection and a seal of approval. That sounds good. That yeah. sounds yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, continue. But for some reason, he then says, and of course, a couple of trade secrets. Why did you say that? <laughs> yeah, you sh- you could have left yeah. it. You said the quiet part loud. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's only more curious. Yeah. Yes. Buddy says that he would love to see these trade secrets, but Cochran politely declines. Chalice pushes the issue, though. Not even a peek for your best salesman? Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you go, dude. Maybe it wasn't all just about you. Yeah. <laughs> But Cochran says that that part of the final process contains volatile chemicals and he wouldn't want anyone to get hurt. Um, Does anybody else find it concerning that the final stage involves volatile chemicals when (laughs) you're wanting my child to wear this over his face for like five hours straight? (laughs) It's literally the exterior of the the completed mask. Obviously, there's shit that you don't want us to see, but you should have thought of a better life. Uh, It's like, well, when it dries, it's not poison. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, all right. (laughs) But he swoops Buddy away from Chalice, planning tomorrow's breakfast with the Cupfers. Chalice peers down a corridor to a room marked final processing. 
but then just rejoins the group. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> couldn't you have hid that better? Yeah, why would you put that there? You've labeled it. Yeah. <laughs> why? It's got to go through final processing. What is that? Don't worry uh, yeah. about it. Matter. Big sign. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? It definitely doesn't happen yeah, in that not moment. That way. <laughs> it's like a, a top secret. Yeah. Like, what the fuck, dude? You're asking for trouble. But the music grows tense as Chalice notices several men in gray suits monitoring them from just about everywhere. A rooftop, between the trucks, etc. So this is when he heads down to Ellie and says that it's time for them to go. Oh, they're just really high. They don't want anybody to notice. <laughs> See, them. that's the thing. I was <laughs> like, why are none of them standing like a fucking human being? <laughs> like, none of them are. It's like, what posture is they, <laughs> they all look like mannequins. Yeah. <laughs> But Betty says her goodbyes to them. And as Chalice and Ellie get away from the group, Chalice says that the men in gray suits look an awful lot like the men who killed her father. Hmm. Interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. But just then, a large door opens, and we see a poorly covered car (laughs) that Ellie immediately recognizes as her father's. Here's the thing. (laughs) (laughs) It seems like this is a large-scale operation. Is it? and for a man who's supposed to pay a lot of attention to detail yeah <laughs> there's a lot that's left to be desired you here. couldn't cover the car fully, yeah fully cover it i could see the license plate man no sh- <laughs> <laughs> it's behind a door that says papa's car yeah. <laughs> but against chalice's protest ellie runs right for it but is stopped by a wall of gray suited men he, he barely said something. He's like, hey, hey. <laughs> and then he didn't even <laughs> like, run after her. Like, no, Hold on, be cool. You're breaking our cover or whatever. Yeah. He's just standing there like, fuck. He's like, oh, she should have yeah, yeah, she done that. Do shit. Like, oh, that sucks. Well, at least I got Teddy back home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be fine. Yeah, don't worry about me. But the Cupfers notice this from a distance and Cochran just chuckles and repeats the phrase, trade secrets. And he has a very evil look on his face. Yeah. His, okay. Like, it, that's a car, dude. Yeah. What are you it's talking like, about? Yeah. Yeah. Are the masks made of cars? Yeah. Like, is that what you're saying? <laughs> it is like a smile and then it morphs yeah. into a fucking horrifying face. And yeah. I'm like, dude, once again, you're saying the quiet part loud. Yeah. Like, fix your face. And of course, nobody notices. No. no. Why would they? But Ellie backs off, retreating to the safety of Chalice's open arms. I guess they're just in love now and we're supposed to accept that. Yeah, no, they're married. Oh, that's, well, <laughs> damn. I guess. <laughs> so they're sharing a room. Well, if, you say it, if you say it, doesn't it become like common law or something? In, in that town, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just in Santa Mira. Yes. Where the town closes at six. <laughs> <laughs> but back in their motel room, Ellie says that she knows what she saw, but tells Chalice that it might be wise for them to just leave town. Chalice agrees, telling her to pack up while he goes to call the police. We can call from home. Yeah. yeah it doesn't have to be at this phone. Any yeah. local police that y'all have here. Like, do you not see that they're all in bed with each other? You're the one that said this is a company town. Like, yeah, you said you, that. Dude, that was your phrase. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he does leave the motel room, but the camera presses in on the room's door, which he leaves propped open for some reason. That's just amateur hour. Yeah. Yes. What the fuck is that? I didn't understand why. And the cameraman's like, nee. yeah, it's <laughs> a bad Shouldn't idea. Have yeah. <laughs> but Chalice makes it to the office, scooping up the telephone and dialing the operator. The voice of the operator on the other end sounds suspiciously like the curfew <laughs> announcer. Allegedly. <Yeah. laughs> Whoever that may be. <laughs> 
but that operator says that she cannot complete Chalice's call as dialed. Just then, the Silver Shamrock commercial plays on a nearby television, cheerfully announcing, One more day to Halloween. Bathed in the green light of the television screen, Chalice dials another number, only to get the same message from the operator. Ominous music plays as he hangs up the phone and heads back to room six. Take the hint. Yeah, yes. you knew that I'm was like, going to happen, I'm, It's man. so frustrating. Yeah. Once he arrives, he finds the door wide open and Ellie is nowhere to be seen. He calls out for her, but as he goes to make his exit, he sees five men in gray suits standing in a line like the Tethered family from us. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> what I <laughs> I did want, I love the lighting here where you kind of just see enough. Yeah. yeah. It's really good. But they slowly begin to approach Chalice, who slams the door and heads to the bathroom. The men then start to break the door down, so Chalice makes a dive out of the bathroom window and hoofs it behind the motel. I'm so glad that he got out without any trouble, because if it was anything else, he'd have been struggling for 10 minutes to open the window and... It, you he don't got want out, that. Yeah, he got out. He's like, like, nope. uh, like Lendegard in Fargo. Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> <laughs> Just loudly screaming and crying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he dips out of sight of a few speeding silver shamrock cars, which are definitely in pursuit of him. But when he hides behind a fence, we see a car speed into the garage at the factory. Out of the car steps a couple of gray suited men, but they retrieve Ellie from the back seat, closing the garage door and taking her deeper into the facility. So this was another one that I was talking about with the editing Mm -hmm. because we see like four cars go by yeah, and then we see one car turn and then it cuts to that car turning into the garage. But I don't know if Chalice sees (laughs) this or not. (laughs) Was it, did we just, we saw it? (laughs) So I was just kind of (laughs) confused. But Chalice tries a phone booth only to reach the same uncooperative recording. He sinks down to the bottom of the booth when another silver shamrock car pulls up down the street, but rises again when it drives off in another direction. He then takes off running, crawling under a fence to the grounds of the factory. He solid snakes his way down a wall (laughs) (laughs) and reaches up to an open window, but he backs off when the lights turn on inside. There, it's on their motion and music activated. But he eventually finds a partially open window and climbs inside the factory, slinking past unpainted masks and down into the Hall of Fame room from earlier. He goes to exit the room, but narrowly misses being caught on camera, so he dips back. He then finds a door marked private and heads inside. (laughs) Think a pirate lives in there? (laughs) I see a door marked private. (laughs) But suspenseful music plays as he walks through a hall and creaks another door open. Behind it, he finds an elderly woman seated next to the low light of a lamp knitting away. She's kind of dressed like George Washington. I don't know what the fuck. (laughs) Yeah. I I was like, what what is happening? (laughs) But, But Chalice boldly asks, where's the girl? Um, okay. (laughs) She looks creepy. Yes. Oh, yeah. She looks creepy because her hands are moving like a human. Yeah. But her face is not human at all. Right. And so the fact that he's like, (laughs) ma'am. It is. It's kind of funny. (laughs) But when the woman doesn't answer him, he gets closer, grabbing her by the shoulders and shaking her as he asks again. But mid shake, the woman's head topples to the floor 
and a frightened chalice peers into her opened neck, revealing moving gears and mechanics. Well, no need to lose your head over it. (laughs) (laughs) You said that earlier. (laughs) (laughs) But as the gears cycle, we see her hands still operating the needle and thread. Chalice's face is filled with what the fuck, but before he can make heads or tails of it, he is grabbed from behind by the assassin and thrown over a table. He climbs to his feet, but the assassin advances on him. Chalice punches him in the face, but he eats it like it's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> the, the sound effect of that punch, I rewound it because it sounds no, it's, fucking yeah. <laughs> hilarious. I, I laughed out loud because he punches him. He takes it like yeah. it, it's nothing at all. Yeah. And then Chalice goes, oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he continues punching him anyway. And after a few more, the assassin grabs him by the head, which we know is his favorite move. Yeah. And he just starts thrashing Chalice about. They tumble to the ground where Chalice is able to get the upper hand, punching the assassin in the gut and eventually breaking through. But as he reaches inside, orange liquid begins to pour out of the assassin's mouth. He then pulls his hand out, covered in the same liquid, and we see clenched in Chalice's fist are a series of wires. What? Yeah, he's a fucking cyborg. What the hell? Yeah. What um, the hell? What the hell? <laughs> I know that this is like a huge reveal or whatever. Yeah. I feel like we, d- if you were surprised by I this. Mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I was surprised that the liquid was orange. I think right. that's, that's about yeah, it. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> that was definitely strange. Okay, everything else. But I, I will say, I mean, they, the car parts. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, no. Yeah. So that's what it's, I'm saying. It's they've pretty been, cool. They've been yeah. telling you the whole time. And that's why he was not putting any effort into strangling him at the beginning. No. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, this means nothing to me. Yeah. yeah he was not programmed to show He's expression. He's just zero, one, one, zero. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's all he's thinking. <laughs> I read too that the the innards or the goo or whatever was made of orange juice concentrate. Hey. Uh, it looks exactly yeah. like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, of course it That is. makes yeah. perfect sense. But. This realization seems to have fried Chalice's brain because he just goes, he goes offline. Yeah. No pun intended. But he doesn't even react when two more android men in gray suits grab him and pull him to his feet. Cochran then enters the room, holding the head of the old woman and peering down at the assassin. He kind of looks at him and he's just like clumsy. Yeah. But he does lament the loss of the old woman. He says that she was a very rare piece made in Munich in 1785. Oh, God damn. I don't know how I yeah. that is. <laughs> It's like, no, they had robots in Munich. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody knew that. But Chalice asks weakly where Ellie is. And Cochran's like, oh, you mean Mrs. Smith? Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ellie Smith, where is she? <laughs> My wife. <laughs> but he says that she's resting and that it'll be morning soon. Halloween morning as Chalice wipes the goo from his hands. I don't know where he got that handkerchief. That (laughs) made me laugh because this dude is really like unveiling like his secret, you know, (laughs) moment. And he's just concerned with getting the goo off. This is really gross. (laughs) Well, he's had that handkerchief in his back pocket the whole time. Oh, I didn't realize. I wondered what the fuck that was. Oh, I didn't realize that I was like, is his pants torn? What the fuck? He's like, Like, I'm probably probably going to need this. (laughs) I've been preparing for this. Check off his handkerchief. <laughs> but Cochran says that tomorrow morning will be a very busy day for him, and being a medical man, Chalice should find it quite interesting. The androids lead Chalice out of the room, and we crossfade to an exterior shot of the factory the next morning. The text reads Sunday, the 31st, Halloween. 
Chalice has walked outside, Cochran trailing close behind. <laughs> he stops to like breathe in the autumn air. Like he fucking loves this shit. He's so yeah. happy. <laughs> he could not be happier. But along with more androids in gray suits, Chalice is led into the final processing area where they step onto the elevator with Cochrane. Cochrane says that the inner workings were surprisingly easy to craft, but the human shells were a little more difficult to perfect. But then again, he says, it's not much different from mask making. I don't know why I thought that was fucking cool. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, this dude is... Well, because it's a mask. It is. Yeah. Yeah. But Chalice does a double take when he realizes that the android to his left looks just like the assassin. I was like, did they repair him that quickly? Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess they, they did, just have their backup. Yeah. He didn't cut the wires. He just kind of pulled them out. Yeah. yeah. It's like, what are these? Well, but then why did that car like kill the other android at the beginning? <laughs> these are all valid questions. <laughs> Is the off button on their shoulder? It's in the shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> but the assassin sneezes and Cochran remarks at how convincing they are. So you have made them able to sneeze but they can't stand casually <laughs> or speak or, or speak yeah, or blink no really and, and they're not really ingratiated into society at all no. they're stuck at the factory with other androids <laughs> but he's <laughs> like let's <laughs> give them allergies <laughs> <laughs> that'll fuck you're, them up you're a madman <laughs> see how the other half lives <laughs> you robot piece of shit <laughs> can't make it too good for them no yeah. yes <laughs> nobody gets a free ride yeah then they'll get bored right yeah <laughs> but they reach their floor which is lit in blue and the pair of androids pass custody of chalice to another pair of waiting androids they head down a large staircase cochran saying that those who came before him never would have dreamed of a place like this chalice asks what this place is and cochran cryptically tells him advanced ancient technology but says chalice still has time to figure it out all by himself but you're telling me everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just keep talking. You're doing the villain monologue. Yeah. But the camera sweeps to a massive room where men in lab coats mill about while other technicians sit behind modules and television screens. Stairs and scaffolding have been constructed around a large stone where other technicians are chipping away at it. Cochran reveals to Chalice that it's from an ancient sacrificial circle, Stonehenge. I was like, that was y'all? Yeah. <laughs> I gotta be I forgot about Of course yeah, you did. No, it, because it was buried. <laughs> <laughs> but Cochran laughs, saying that they had a time getting it here, and Chalice wouldn't believe how they did it. He quickly changes the right. subject. <laughs> well anyway. <laughs> no, try me though. Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> Maybe shit. I would believe how it. How did you do it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you already got me here. Yeah. I'm listening. I'm all ears. Yeah. <laughs> But he retrieves a piece from a nearby table where technicians are working with a couple of masks, saying that the stone has a power. He says that even a particle of it is devastating as he secures a piece of it in the back of a silver shamrock medallion and hands it to the technician. Inside the circle of televisions, Cochran updates Chalice on Ellie's whereabouts, directing his attention to a screen. He sees security camera footage of Ellie strapped to a table and then switches it to another room where we see Marge's body covered in a sheet. I do want to take it back to that shot of Ellie on the table. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because if it's a very quick shot in a trailer, sure looks like someone on a table wearing a white mask. Mm. Uh, I'll just uh, just say that. Come on, man. (laughs) But Cochran says that they didn't kill Marge. It was simply a misfire as they stated but he says what Chalice needs is a demonstration. The camera then switches to a crudely built set that looks like a furnished living room. 
Down corridors, we see the Kupfer family being led to that windowless room of metal walls and doors. One gray-suited android hands Buddy a pencil and a pad before exiting and leaving the Kupfers inside. This isn't weird? Yeah. He explains his reason for possibly being here. It's still weird. But it doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. The camera dips down outside the door and we see the room is marked Test Room A. <laughs> Why are they That's so not good? <laughs> you have to stop label- yeah. labeling your like, Look, shit. We can't we can't lie with these labels. Yeah. <laughs> but on the monitor, Buddy assures his family that Cochran will be along soon. But Betty is uneasy, and little Buddy says that he has to take a piss. Cool. I could have worded that, but he didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> I just realized and then he flipped his mom and he's like fuck mommy I think he never said that he never said that but Buddy tells his family to relax and they sit down on the sofa Buddy is mildly annoyed that they wouldn't take his order for next year because he likes to plan ahead but he says that they wanted his input on a new commercial these are all giant red flags yeah. oh yeah what the fuck do they care about you I'm the best salesman. Wait, yeah, yeah. this, is, this yeah. makes no sense. And honestly, he's been doing well with these commercials, so let's exactly oh, why change anything. <laughs> and it's just occurring to me another. Okay, <laughs> let's let's finish what happens in this room, and then I have a question okay. that I right. never thought of until right now. Alrighty, Betty posits that there might not even be a Halloween next year, and bursts out laughing. Cochran leans over to an android. <laughs> this made me laugh because as they're laughing and Buddy is sarcastically laughing. Cochran's like, roll it. He's like, I'm fucking, <laughs> I'm fucking sick of watching this. <laughs> but the android presses a few buttons on a pad and the television screen in the test room goes full of static. The silver shamrock commercial begins to play. Buddy's sitting confused that it's the same one that they've been playing. Little Buddy holds his pumpkin mask standing way too close to the television screen. I do want to comment on his posture because no, nobody on the planet Earth has ever watched TV like this. <laughs> I, I said earlier off mic that if there were a dance diagram for twerking, this would be step one. <laughs> and I don't fucking get why he's... It doesn't matter. <laughs> you mean y'all don't twerk to the Silver Shamrock song? You very easily could. <laughs> But the announcer tells all the children with silver shamrock masks to put them on, come close to the TV, and watch. He's like, oh shit, that's me. Oh my god, (laughs) I got one of these right here. (laughs) But little buddy does as told and puts his mask on. The announcer tells them all to watch the magic pumpkin. And we see the pumpkin from the opening of the film, complete with the same flashes of white light. Betty is over it, though, and says that the whole thing is a joke and begins to cackle. She's like using the fake fruit in the bowl as evidence that this is bullshit, basically. Well, that is weird. I don't yeah. know why this sends her like this is hysterical to oh, her. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. she she doesn't have much of a sense of humor. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, where's that doctor? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but just as she does say that, the medallion on the back of Little Buddy's mask begins blinking along with the television screen. He clutches it as it begins to melt around his face and he collapses to the floor. Buddy and Betty stand concerned, but the music grows quicker in tempo as dozens of bugs and worms crawl out from the mask and around their son's face. Man, they turned him into Oogie Boogie. (laughs) I was about to say, what in the Oogie Boogie? Uh, (laughs) That's why you're married. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. That's the only reason (laughs) to make that one joke. It all makes sense now. There you go. But little buddy's eyes open, frozen in terror, and a large snake slithers out of his mouth as Betty faints and Buddy screams. 
Cochran looks on like that's what happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but even worse, Chalice's expression is more in line with you hate to see it. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, he, it's yeah. such an underreaction. Yes. Okay, so this was my question. Okay. You brought your best salesman here uh-huh. to murder his son in front of him and then them, yeah. presumably. He sold more masks than anyone else. He's right. like doing the work that you want For done. You. Oh yeah. Why are Why you punishing you that? <laughs> and is like this- you should have a seat at the table. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I I mean Well, and and I know we'll learn what their plan is, but are you only planning to do it once? Right. Cause, yeah. <laughs> Cause if you're not, like you're saying, Buddy's your man. Yeah, Literally. No shit. So what the fuck is this? He's yeah. like, can I put in orders? Oh no. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, we, no. We've got plans <laughs> for you. Uh, why though? I did, great question. He did his job better than any than anyone yeah. else. <laughs> Get your worst salesman. Yeah. yeah. And then fucking put him in the weird room. <laughs> But Buddy runs for the door, but is stopped by a poisonous snake, which bites him on the leg. He collapses and worms wriggle around Betty's unconscious face. Having determined that he's seen enough, androids lead Chalice away from the screens, and the camera lifts to show technicians continuing to chip away at the stone as we fade to black. Buddy's like, you wanted my opinion on this commercial? I gotta be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Zero out of ten. (laughs) You've done better. (laughs) This is awful. (laughs) I did want to talk of, on that um, Shout Factory documentary. Brad Schachter talked about how they did this stunt and special effects. Mm-hmm. He uh, he was the kid. He's little buddy. Yeah. But they made a mold of his head. And whenever they placed it down on the ground, that's the mold. Yeah. And so you see with his eyes open and his mouth open, that's a dummy with all the bugs crawling around and out. It honestly, with the mask obscuring it, it doesn't really feel or look like much of a dummy. No, not at it all. Looks good. I was very impressed looks, by that. This is the scariest part of the whole film. I would agree. Yeah, like it's unnerving. Mm-hmm. I think, and then him like pulling at it and yes. it's, like, yeah. melting. It's it looks really good. He said the tearing of the mask was him actually doing that, and that was the only version of that mask that they had. So they only had the one chance? Yeah. Oh, wow. Holy shit. So they had to get nice. that shit right. In the hands of a kid. Yeah. yeah. Like, you better not fuck. <laughs> <laughs> they did say, though, that I guess a lot of the crickets escaped and they never found them. No. <laughs> I hope they lived their best life. I hope so. <laughs> we can... We're free. <laughs> <laughs> Some they don't want to be in Hollywood. At yeah. night, you can still hear them. <laughs> but we're then treated to a montage a wall of television screens playing the Silver Shamrock commercial, only this time, instead of a countdown, it's simply Happy, Happy Halloween, Silver Shamrock. Shamrock. Yeah. We see store shelves being picked clean of the Silver Shamrock masks, as well as trick-or-treaters all over the country. Ohio, New York, Nebraska, Louisiana. The announcer reminds everyone that the clock is ticking and tells them to be in front of their televisions for the horror-thon and not to forget the big giveaway at 9 p.m. That's why he didn't need dude. They already blew up. They're everywhere. Yeah, they are everywhere. I mean, it's good for business, but bad for the rest (laughs) of us. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're fucked. (laughs) Good for them. The song continues as we see scenes of trick-or-treaters walking the streets of Los Angeles at dusk, as well as a silver shamrock van driving through the streets of Seattle. A voice comes over the intercom of the van, reminding the children in their masks to hurry home so they don't miss the big giveaway. <laughs> it's like, y'all are, you're, yeah. you're being really heavy-handed. You're talking about I'm a giveaway. Start- <laughs> I'm starting to get suspicious. <laughs> hurry home. Put on, put on yeah. your masks. Keep them yeah. shits on, because... <laughs> 
But even worse, we see Chalice's children parked in front of their television wearing their silver shamrock masks as well. The montage ends with children heading home under the sunset of Phoenix, Arizona, which is definitely the art we see on the Halloween 3 poster. It, I, I gotta be honest, I love this montage so much. I do yeah. too. Like JP was saying, it shows how widespread this is. Yeah. It's a national problem. Yeah. Uh, that they have no fucking idea. Yeah. yeah. Which is even scarier because we all buy shit. Mm-hmm. Who and knows? those are quality yeah. masks. Those are great They're masks. They're nice. <laughs> I, we'd, we'd be fucked. <laughs> yes. For real. But we cut to Teddy attempting to call Chalice at the motel, but only getting a recording. She holds a gear from an android in her hand, but of course has no way of knowing that's what it is. But she makes another call to a guy called Roger, telling him that he should get down here and look at what they've found. <laughs> it was funny because she's like, did I wake you up? Get down here. And yeah. <laughs> well, you're already awake. Fuck it. Yeah, no shit. I will say I don't. She's been looking at the same shit for a very long time. Right. But there's that moment where she's looking down and she just goes, <gasps> what did she see? She yeah. saw. That's so uh, different. Yeah. Android ink <laughs> written on one of the gears oh okay this was never a human oh. it's carved into it. well they're very honest with their labels yeah <laughs> they don't lie on there but she tells him that it doesn't look like a car part anymore the camera pans over slightly and we see a man in a gray suit opening the door to the office as tense music plays so this is uh, dean cundy shoots so wide and this is using every single bit of the frame. Yeah. And I love it so much. Yeah. I can't express how much Dean <laughs> Cundy <laughs> is an excellent cinematographer. But Teddy makes plans for a meeting with Roger tomorrow afternoon and gets off the phone. Meanwhile, the android grabs a drill from the other room and sets it on an exam table. Just then, Teddy notices something in the metal debris before her and reaches for the phone again, but before she can get the operator to connect her with the sheriff, the android swoops upon her, pulling her to the floor. He holds her face to one side and slowly brings down the drill, plunging it into her ear. He then just exits calmly. She didn't deserve yeah. that. No, she didn't. And I I don't know why. It's it's very funny to me because this is, I guess, the receipt for the listening device. Yeah. They're like, her name is Teddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. Like, that's really fucked up. And he brought her in on this. And that he did. Is, man. Yeah. And I, he'll never know. Well, I mean, maybe later. I don't, I don't know why I said that. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> but we're taken back to Santa Mira in the eerie silence of the night past curfew. On-screen text reads 7.30 p.m. We cut to a room in the factory where Chalice sits tied to a chair in front of a television screen. Cochran stands before him holding a skull mask, and he tells him to enjoy the horathon and reminds him to watch the big giveaway afterwards. Chalice asks him why he's doing this, but Cochran says he doesn't need a reason. You kind of do. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> it's a big deal. I'm bored. <laughs> yeah, just figured it'd be fun. But he says Buddy Kupfer was right about one thing, though. He does love a good joke, and this is the best one ever. A joke on the children. What? I don't know. Yeah, why? <laughs> I, think, I think this is the only part of his speech I didn't get. Yeah. <laughs> but he does admit that there is a better reason. He says Chalice doesn't know much about Halloween beyond the normal customs. As Synth begins to rise, Cochran explains... He says at the start of the year in their old Celtic lands, they would be waiting in their houses. The barriers separating the real and the unreal would be down and the dead might be looking in. He says, Halloween, the festival of Samhain. He pronounces it correctly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was proud. 
But he does say that the last great one took place 3,000 years ago, and the hills ran red with the blood of animals and children. He's like, I was there. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. How old is this dude? I don't know. <laughs> but after that, Chalice understands. Sacrifices. Cochrane says it's part of their world, their craft. Chalice understands even further. Witchcraft. So I guess that's your season of the witch. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's it. That's the that's only. <laughs> that's all. That's all we got. But he says that it's a way of controlling their environment and that it's time to do so again. He says in the end, they don't decide these things. The planets do. And they're in alignment. As he puts the skull mask on Chalice's head, Cochran tells him that the world is going to change tonight. And he's glad that he'll be able to watch it. He switches on the television and we hear a familiar song from the score of John Carpenter's Halloween. Before Cochran exits, he wishes Chalice a happy Halloween. So, first of all, the score from Halloween fits really well here. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I thought that was very interesting. But I want to call out how smart of an idea this is for this film. The idea that, to Cochran, consumerism has taken over what Halloween was meant to be. Right. And so he is very much disgusted by their behavior yeah. regarding the holiday. And so he's using their own behavior to get back at to them. To get back yeah. at them for their behavior. All right. That's really cool. Yeah. No, it is. I mean, it's definitely a message is being given here. Yeah. This just really sucks for Chalice. Yeah. But I mean, none of this had anything to do with him. He probably should have just minded his own business. Honestly. But then I guess his kids would be dead. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But at least he gets to go out doing something that I love, which is watching Halloween and looking spooky. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's pretty great. Yeah. It's like, if this has to be it, then and I guess this is it. it's on Halloween. Yeah. yeah. That's fantastic. You know, I, it could be worse. But none all. of that is in this movie. Uh, Michael Myers, like you think, oh, this is what that's not no, happening and, and in this movie. I, no. I had wanted to bring that up too because I feel like that story is so straightforward and yeah. this gets kind of convoluted. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. Well, it starts, okay, it starts. I mean, when, when you think about it, you're like, okay, this guy is he's running this mask factory, yeah, clearly <laughs> with evil intentions. But then with this speech, he's like, oh, no, I am 3,000. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay, you've taken it to a place that I... Yeah. <laughs> and then we got Stonehenge. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a lot. He's like, and enjoy the immortal classic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's a lot. It's a yeah. lot. I think the Stonehenge thing is probably where... <laughs> It might go too far. Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a bit much. It's a reach. Yes. Yeah. Because where? How? Yeah. No. But shit. he's like, man, if you could, yeah. you, if you can believe it, <laughs> and then he doesn't tell us anything. So anyway. Yeah. So anyway, Chalice looks up at the clock, realizing it's seven fifty. As Laurie Strode makes it across the street to the Wallace's house on television, Chalice looks up at the security camera in the corner of the room. Cochran watches him on the monitors and gives a technician the go-ahead to continue to the next step. He flips a few switches, but we zoom onto the monitor where Chalice slowly pulls himself <laughs> closer to the television. And instead of enjoying one of the greatest horror films of all time, <laughs> he kicks a hole in the TV screen. <laughs> now, I've given a few TVs to beat down in my younger days. I don't know how fucking hard he kicked that TV. God damn. <laughs> it shattered me. Yeah. With sparks and everything. Yes, yes. <laughs> but luckily for Chalice, Cochran is distracted by a phone call as he retrieves a piece of broken glass from the television to cut through half of his restraints. 
he peels off the skull mask (laughs) and with very limited mobility, (laughs) somehow flings the mask perfectly. Perfectly. Yes. Over the camera on the first try. I laughed out loud. Hey, oh, man, no, nice yeah. shot. Oh, no, I yeah, feel yeah. like, <laughs> honestly, kind of from this point forward, it's hilarious. Yes. Yeah. Until the very, very end, this is <laughs> a fucking ride. Yeah. I was dying. So I, I read that. <laughs> it was the fling. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> they said that it took a, a lot of takes for him to get the mask right. But of course it did. The difficulty for me <laughs> is that there's a cut to the camera, so they literally just had to show him throwing <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, he never had to actually do it. It's not like Ripley and Alien when she does the basketball yeah. or whatever. Like again? No, they fucking it put was him personal. through it. I it guess was, so. Uh, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> <laughs> it became a challenge. Yeah. But the technician takes notice of the camera and tries to get Cochrane's attention. But Cochrane is very much into this phone call discussing the potential ratings for the horathon. Meanwhile, Chalice has already broken into the air duct and is climbing through like John McClane. (laughs) (laughs) It's just so absurd. It is. It really is. Up until the last, like, I don't know, two, three minutes. Yeah. This shit is silly and it only fucking gets sillier. I think I paused it and closed my eyes. (laughs) (laughs) They keep topping themselves. Yeah. They do. Like, this is not it. It goes up from here. Yeah. Cochran finally gets off the phone and the technician alerts him to the camera. Well, he says the camera's malfunction, but there's clearly a mask over it. (laughs) (laughs) You can see the eye holes. Yeah, you can. It's it's insane. But on the monitor, we see androids have already gotten to the room, taking the mask off the camera and noticing the busted vent cover. They they hold both up to the camera. <laughs> I'm like, I'll be a son of a bitch. It's like, what? <laughs> Look what we found. Yeah. <laughs> you can piece together. <laughs> but by this time, Chalice has already made it to the rooftop. Ten's music grows as he runs across a walkway and breaks into a large stock room. He avoids a few patrolling androids and snags a phone off the wall. He immediately calls Linda... Which kind of surprised me. I was like, at least he called for his kids. Like, I really, it's more than I expected out of him. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) To be honest. She's pissed, obviously, because he was supposed to take the kids trick-or-treating. Yes. But it makes me laugh because he's like, hey, no, hey, Lynn, Lynn, shut up. (laughs) 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 And he tells her that she has to get rid of the silver shamrock masks. He says that he's in Santa Mira and that they killed Buddy Kupfer and his whole family. Who the fuck is Buddy (laughs) Kupfer? (laughs) Why are you leading with that? She's like, are you drunk? (laughs) (laughs) He sounds drunk. He does. But it's kind of fucked up. She says that he's just jealous of the masks that she got the children. Well, so I'm like, what relationship do y'all have? Yeah. Yeah. You think he's going to call completely frantic saying to protect the kids and not let them wear the masks and you're like fuck you well, I mean, <laughs> like that, that's weird the word killed i think would, yes. Yes. would be alarming i don't know who the hell yeah buddy i don't know who that is but, <laughs> but i'm concerned yeah it sounds serious <laughs> but he continues to plead with her but she tells him to go to hell and hangs up on him he goes to call her back but he hears the footsteps of approaching androids and hightails it out of there somehow he very easily finds the room where Ellie is being kept. <laughs> That's a, that was my next note. The way he's just finding his own way around. Yeah, he's, yeah. Got he's not stumbled. Well, he's a doctor, Jim, <laughs> yeah. not a detective. <laughs> he was up on the roof. He's yeah, dropping into the, he I knew where yeah. the phone was. Like, it's like, God damn, I, I never dude. saw them get blueprints for this no. place. <laughs> 
but he does begin to remove her restraints. Cochran alerts his men to this, watching it all on the monitor and telling them to get to the South Corridor. A clock reads 826 as Chalice busts Ellie out of there and they rush down the hall together. But approaching androids cast a long shadow, so they turn around and run the other way. They creep through the large warehouse where Cochran and all his technicians are. <laughs> and it's honestly some Scooby-Doo shit. <laughs> That's literally, <laughs> that was literally my exact thought. They grab an entire rack of masks literally wheeling the entire thing by and somehow nobody notices it shouldn't work no and honestly (laughs) just walking like cautiously like regular human beings would be way less conspicuous but they're like no one will notice this giant rack of masks i think i paused it (laughs) and i i was like what the fuck is this (laughs) it's like what it's at this point where it's like, oh, y'all are just fucking going for yeah. it. Like, we don't give a fuck at yeah. this point. But the thing is, it worked. I can't, <laughs> I, I can't even fault them. It fucking worked. But they continue on through the shadows, their escape delayed when they almost run into the assassin. They hide behind a pile of boxes where Chalice finds a silver shamrock medallion, and he tells Ellie to wait behind the boxes as he creeps kind of hilariously. Very hilariously. Yeah. It was very cartoony, very exaggerated. But he hides behind a large piece of machinery and reaches their control module. He presses the buttons that he saw a technician press earlier, which causes the Silver Shamrock ad to start playing on the nearby monitors. Cochran takes notice of this, and Chalice just runs away. It's very... It's in, it's in full sight of him. I... This must... I <laughs> This was like a cutscene from a game. No joke. <laughs> there was no it's just like what was that? And then he's just slowly running yes. away all pixelated. <laughs> what the fuck happened here? <laughs> like when he went under the desk. Yes. What? Really? <laughs> Nobody. Yeah. None of it should have worked. No, but it's working great. <laughs> I, the way he was running away was like, I don't know if you've ever tried to stumble away, but you've, you've become a little top heavy and yeah. you, almost, <laughs> you almost fucking like collapse. That's, that's exactly what happened here. But Chalice snags a box and collects Ellie. The two of them head to the rafters as technicians frantically try to stop the ad from playing. A few gray suits follow them up, but Chalice opens up a box above their heads, raining down silver shamrock medallions on them. They start to fire, emitting blue lasers in every direction, dispatching the technicians as well as the gray-suited androids in a shocking display of sparks. <laughs> what? <laughs> I was like, well, that, that was easy. No, it worked. Yeah, that was c- cool. Yeah. I, it's like, how about a little fire scarecrow? Yeah. Fucking, it was great. I, I, I enjoyed that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but Cochran can do nothing but watch, and we get an overhead shot of their workstation. Technicians collapsed in a circle as the television screens flash and the jingle continues to play. He honestly like doesn't even seem too worried about it. Not really. It was odd. Well, yeah. he's like, he doesn't care. I can build more. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> the insides were easy, remember? <laughs> but Cochran slowly turns around as a low rumble is emitted from the large chipped stone. A glowing blue circle forms around the television screens, <laughs> accelerating in speed as worry fills Cochran's face. He looks up to the rafters to see Chalice and Ellie peering down at him, which causes him to smirk, <laughs> and, he, <laughs> and he slowly begins to applaud them. He's like, yeah. I gotta give I it gotta, to you. Yeah. <laughs> I can't lie. Did not see that coming. <laughs> but they make their escape, and in a long shot, we see a blue laser <laughs> blast from the stone at Cochrane, his face and hands emitting a blue glow. <laughs> 
<laughs> but in a close-up shot that is fucking hilarious, his face appears almost like an unpainted mask. Yeah. Grinning the happiest fucking grin I've ever seen on a human person. <laughs> and he just disappears. Yeah. Wow. I don't know. He's ascended, I guess. I, I don't know. <laughs> Did the stone... He'll be back in 3,000 yeah. years. <laughs> it was like Leonard Nimoy on The Simpsons. Yes. My work here is done. <laughs> Didn't oh I? It's like, what the fuck? But suddenly, the stone explodes dramatically, sending sparks, belching smoke, and lighting nearby masks on fire. Chalice and Ellie run back to the motel and they drive away from Santa Mira as the factory burns in the background very unconvincingly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta call it like it is. <laughs> but on the road, Chalice switches on the radio getting a weather report as well as the time, 8.48. The announcer for Silver Shamrock cuts in, telling kids to hurry home and that the clock is ticking. Chalice switches it off and says that there has to be someone they can call or something. But Ellie just stares blankly ahead. Just then, she slowly and emotionlessly turns her head towards Chalice and grabs him by the face. What in the, in the mouth of madness <laughs> is fucking going on? He swerves off the road as she scratches at his face, the car colliding with the tree. He tumbles out of the car and walks around the side of the car to find her severed arm caught in the door handle on the passenger side. Out of nowhere, she lunges at him with her remaining arm, choking him, but with the trunk propped open from the wreck, Chalice is able to retrieve a tire iron and wax her across the face with it. This merely causes her to back off a little, still stoic, as orange liquid leaks from her mouth and the wires from her severed arm were around, controlling nothing, Ellie is an android. Listen, <laughs> so is this a copy of her? We're all thinking the same thing, right? Did, yeah, did, did he, he fuck a yeah, robot? Did he <laughs> fuck the synth? That's what <laughs> I was saying. <laughs> I, okay. <laughs> well, how long has she been that way? Or Here, the- here's what I'm thinking, okay? Because... <laughs> she she was totally normal, and then she got kidnapped, right? Okay. When she got kidnapped, we don't see her, but then after she gets kidnapped, I don't think she says one word when he ah, rescues her. Oh, okay. So after she's been rescued, she doesn't say anything. She's just looking and following. Okay. Yeah. So, so it was there yeah, was a there was right, a real yeah, Ellie. Yeah. A little yes, and I think that they killed her Damn. and swapped out her insides with mechanics. Then so why was she going right. along? <laughs> That's a, that's Scooby the question I have. <laughs> because if we're trying to stop him from stopping them, right? Why the fuck didn't she do anything huh. until now? Yeah, I feel like this entire part does not work for me personally. Yeah. I, it's, I, it's a hat on a hat. Exactly. I think that either she needed to have gotten abducted and killed in the factory, or he should have freed her and they left together. Yes. Like you're kind of doing both and it doesn't, this doesn't work for me at all. Uh, uh, Coupled (laughs) with the fact that he whoops her ass about 16 times. Oh, he does. Yeah. (laughs) This goes on for (laughs) way too long. No, it does. The thing that made me laugh is that I saw in an interview, they asked Wallace, they're like, so was she an Android from jump? Yeah. Was she an Android post kidnapping? Yeah. 
He he's like I don't know. No, oh <laughs> <laughs> so we'll never really. You're the only yeah, one that does. We'll never really know. <laughs> and to me, it matters. Yeah, big time. Yeah. Because if she's the android from the start, it makes no sense. Not at all. But and if, also, he fucked a robot. Yeah. yeah. Unless the whole point was to get him here. But why do we give a fuck about him? I don't. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, what, yeah that's, that why are you special? Make any sense? Yeah. That's why he. That's why she can't. Yeah. Damn it! That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. She has to have been switched he's got out. No ties. He doesn't sell them. No. He doesn't own a store no. that sells them. He doesn't work for a store that this sells them. This was sloppy. Not at all. This was messy. I, I think the only thing that works is if it's post. And that yeah. and that I will I will allow. Right. Yeah. That's because the only thing that makes sense halfway and it still doesn't make complete sense. No. Yeah. <laughs> because what were you using her for? All this shit was going down tonight. Yeah. So what do you need her for? I, I did read a I read a fan theory on Reddit, which I don't agree with, but they said, what if her activation phrase is him saying that they have to stop the ads and that's why she attacked? Come on, come I was on, like, dude. well, I don't. What about the entire time? <laughs> a fucking winter soldier. I, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't I don't think I don't think. Yeah. That's it. I don't agree with that. And yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of ideas. Yeah. yeah. This, this part just doesn't do it for it me. It doesn't really work. All it's that well. a good, like shocking moment. And yeah. then when you yeah. stop to think about it, you're like, wait, what? Yeah. I 100 percent agree. But Chalice then steps up, striking her again with a tire iron and decapitating her. Orange liquid sprays from her neck and she collapses as Chalice drops the tire iron. Ellie's eyes move around, surveying her surroundings completely removed from her body. I thought that looked pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. But Chalice gets back into the vehicle (laughs) and he closes the passenger side door with Ellie's arm still attached to it. And as soon as he does, the arm attacks him. Of course it does. (laughs) Of course it does. I don't know why he didn't throw it out. I don't know. (laughs) But it grabs at his throat, but he's able to wrench it off and throw it into the trees. He breathes heavily and checks his watch. 10 minutes until 9 p.m. He then turns around, but is jump scared by Ellie's headless body, which grabs at him to no result (laughs) because it just collapses on the ground. Yeah. But Chalice takes off running after this. Again, you're right. It went on too long. Way too long. (laughs) It's like, but then her arm attacks him. (laughs) But after some time... Chalice arrives at the gas station from the beginning of the film, running into Walter, who has just finished filling up a car. Chalice grabs him, asking him for his phone and telling him that it's life or death. This poor man. Yeah. yeah. God damn. Enough. Yes. Walter points inside and Chalice rushes for it. Walter does recognize him from the hospital, but there's no time for chit chat. Inside the gas station, the Silver Shamrock jingle plays loudly on a television as a clock counts down from 30 seconds to 9 p.m. Chalice screams on the telephone, telling the person on the other end that if the broadcast goes out, it will cause the deaths of millions of people. He says to say that it's a bomb, anything that'll keep people from watching it. He then listens for a moment and then admits that he can't prove anything and they have to just believe him. While this is going on, a family arrives outside, including three children all wearing silver shamrock masks. Walter gives them candy and they crowd around the television as Chalice begs the person on the other end to take it off the air. Just then, the station broadcasting the commercial stops, an announcer saying that they're experiencing technical difficulties. The kid in the witch mask switches the station, and the s- I was like, "Fuck no, 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 no!" These kids, yeah, <laughs> these kids are very comfortable here. Yeah, it was yeah. strange to me that we're trick or treating at a gas station. That is true. But they're like, "Oh no, well fuck, I'll just change the yeah. channel." <laughs> like, it's like- That's fine. Nobody's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but when the witch does change the station, the same thing happens. Chalice appears relieved, 
but the third channel continues the broadcast as scheduled, the announcer inviting everyone to put on their masks, gather around the television, and watch. Chalice shouts frantically into the phone, begging them to get the commercial off the channel. The jack-o'-lantern takes over the screen along with flashes of white that spelled death for the Cupfer boy earlier. Chalice yells into the phone for them to turn it off, to stop it. The flashes increase in frequency as Chalice loudly screams, stop it! We cut to black and the credits roll. So I did want to talk very quickly because the ending is kind of ambiguous in a way. It is. And I did appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Wallace had said that the reason he did that is because I guess the original director of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Right. He gave it an ambiguous ending Mm -hmm. and the studio made him change it to a more uplifting ending. And so this was his kind of hat tip to him by giving his film an ambiguous ending. Ah, all right. And so I thought that was kind of cool. And they also said that Universal tried to get Wallace to change this ending. Really? Yeah, they said, make it a happy ending. And Carpenter went to bat for him and said, no, this is the ending. You don't need to make everything a happy ending. You don't. And this works way better. (laughs) Well, I read that originally when it cuts to black, because we do get a bit of a like Sopranos ending here. (laughs) I read that when it cuts to black, you hear like children screaming. Oh my yeah. god! In the in the like their first plan or whatever. Oh, okay. I guess they met so, them halfway. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, at least they didn't do that. Like, yeah. let them have an ambiguous that ending. That is true. But I have to ask the customary question: What did you guys think of Halloween Three: Season of the Witch? This shit was bonkers, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. Um, he was just trying to fuck the whole time. Like, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I, and it, well, you said it earlier, I think when you had said something about a change and you're like, they, why would they care about him? Yeah. It, like, really? Why? <laughs> what the fuck does he have to do with any of this? I mean, Nothing. yeah, he poked his nose in somewhere where he probably shouldn't have. Right. Uh, and then he took off with this young lady wherever, I guess she needed to go. He needed to insert himself into it as well with the six pack pack, (laughs) and they needed to get a room for a couple. Uh, But it's a wild ride towards the end. Yes. Like shit just goes nuts. Um, I, I would watch this again. Like it's very fun. It's not the, the plot's pretty weird. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't know what else I can say about that. Yeah. Uh, But the movie is a fucking ride. Like, I want I'm, I, I want to see more. Like yes. I'm not going to lie. I want to know what's going on. Uh, can we get like a, a movie for the after what happened? Or I don't see why they've never tried to spin this off. Yeah. I think because everyone I, hated it. But not anymore. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We need it now. Yeah. <laughs> no, I agree. Like we had said up at the top. I It's wild. Like that's the only word that keeps coming to mind. It's a really interesting story told in a kind of convoluted <laughs> way that it still doesn't fully explain everything uh-huh. uh i kind of or we stumbled upon it at the end why is he so special that the and he's telling all yeah. of the secrets to him? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like that doesn't and i never even questioned it is the funny part yeah that i was like no well it's tom like duh it's tom yeah. Adams. he's a doctor <laughs> what's funny is that starker was like fuck you and he died for that yeah <laughs> But all the line stepping that Chalice is yeah. doing constantly. He's like, come down to my lane. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? Oh, you're interested. Oh, it, yeah, makes, are. it makes no sense. And this is the stone. Like, yeah. <laughs> <there's>, <laughs> let me show you around. Yeah. There's so many parts that it's like we're following a thread that does not lead to anything or, or things that we would love cl- clarification on. 
we're just not going to get that. Yeah. And no, you no, just no. kind of have to be okay with that happening. But it's a lot of fun. It is over the top. It is anything but boring. Absolutely. Um, it's really fun. Yeah. And I, I'll definitely watch this again for its successes as well as for its flaws. Oh, yeah. Because Absolutely. there's something special here that is completely fucking off the charts. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm here for it. Yes. Is this a good film? I don't think it is. <laughs> but, but do I enjoy it? Yeah, yeah I do. Hell, hell yeah. yeah. I think that's the thing about it is that, you know, when you look at it in the context of what it was, just look at it as a fucking ride of a sci-fi horror film from 1982. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> don't don't look at it as Halloween 3. In any way. In any way. Look at it on its own merit because it's fucking fun. It's ridiculous. It's got some interesting ideas. It does. Yeah. And no, a, yeah. a message. Yeah. About consumerism. It's like it's 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 a smart film in its own <laughs> yeah. way. I'm I'm very glad that the tide has turned on it. Yeah. And that it seems like it's getting its due. Yeah. Tommy Lee Wallace just seems like such a great guy. I'm happy that he's happy. Finally. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. It took forever. And this was his directorial debut. Damn. So it's like baby's day out. Everybody's fucking mad at you. Yeah. yeah. So that's great. <laughs> it's great that it's changed. And personally, I, I might go out on a limb on saying this and people will probably disagree with me. I think Halloween 3 Season of the Witch is arguably better than at least four actual Halloween sequels in the franchise. A few of them at <laughs> least. At least. Yeah. That's nuts. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah. let's be real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I guess that can lead us into ratings. On the positive side, it's very admirable that creatively they were like, look, we don't have anything more and we're just going to be milking it dry Yeah. if we do more Michael yeah. Myers. So, let's come up with something new. And they did. They came up with something interesting, something that is out of with, I mean, science fiction. Yeah. yeah. That's the last thing you would think of with the Halloween series. It's really a hard turn. Yeah. yeah. And it's a smart turn because mm -hmm. if they did another slasher with a different mask, like what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, well, you're you're no just going to yeah. you know, compare it to the original. Exactly. This is really its own thing. Yeah. They're like, why isn't it Michael Myers at this point? Yeah. yeah. But I think that the story, the story is neat. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say that it makes complete sense. <laughs> but it's neat. Uh, I just think it's neat. Uh, <laughs> I do love the music. I love the um, cinematography. Yeah. Both of those things together make this feel, even though it's not technically, it feels part of Halloween. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Feel There's like a vibe of like i guess a cohesion right yeah. right that just works and i gotta say tom atkins he gave it his all dude he did. oh yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> he did i thought his performance was pretty great on the negative side um motivations <laughs> <laughs> i'm a little confused by quite a few people's motivations yeah um i think honestly the fact that some of the story doesn't add up and that there is so many moments, but this is almost a positive for me because so many moments are unintentionally hilarious. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that works for rewatch value. Yes. And it just makes it, I mean, I don't know. It just makes it, something about this film works for me. Yeah. Very well. But for me, <laughs> <laughs> out of 10 malicious masks, all things considered, I am going to give Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, seven malicious masks out of 10. I have, I have a fucking blast watching this movie. Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> and I will absolutely watch it again. Definitely. But I will now open the floor to you. Um, 
I know certain movies like you go into with uh you know they got a certain pedigree with them. You know yes. what I mean? Like oh this is gonna be super deep. You gotta watch it or you gotta pay attention to everything of this because you're gonna miss something. This is this is not that movie. This <laughs> no. is let's have some fucking fun. Yes. Like go ahead. Hey let's get a six pack and then let's watch this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like uh, like Chalice. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he was trying to tell us. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but it it is fun. It's uh, like you said the the you know it's neat. You know the story. <laughs> I'll say that. Um, but I I will agree. Going the sci-fi route, you know, sci-fi horror. Hey, I can dig it. Yeah, like, yeah. that's great. Uh, it does have a feel to it. The vibe. I d- I do uh, appreciate that. That it kind of still feels within the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, no, for me, the rewatch value of this, <laughs> even if I know it's going to happen next, uh-huh. it's still one of those, oh, watch this shit. <laughs> or you know what I mean? Or like, oh, here it comes. You know? Yeah. Very fun. I'm glad that we're covering it. And like everybody who suggested it or recommended it or anything, I know uh, Lala had asked me if I watched and I told her not yet. Uh-huh. Um, and I can't wait to talk to her about it yes. as well. Um, but yeah, for me, <laughs> on a scale from one to ten, malicious masks. I'm also gonna give Halloween three, season of the witch a seven. Wow. Uh, the movie is good. Yes. The story, not so much. <laughs> but I mean, it's. I don't think you. I, I hate even saying that, but I don't even really think it needs to make sense. You know, like you said, the movie works somehow, and, and it does. It's like, oh, no, but what about? No, 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 no. Don't look too close. Just watch. Just watch. Cochran's face turn white for some yeah. reason. <laughs> <laughs> what did John Paul say? He ascended. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Cool. Sure. Mm-hmm. All right. Why not? Yeah. No, I agree with you guys completely. It's just so funny the things that really work. And the things that don't work at all, but somehow it's like, the, yeah, I, I accept it. Like I said, flat out the whole, she's an Android too. Like that did not <laughs> do it for me at all, but you're so wrapped up. They, they used a rack to hide behind. Yes. Yeah. Well, like you're so wrapped up in all this shit that's happening that it's like, of course she's an Android. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why, why wouldn't why she not? be an Android? Um, coming full circle at the same gas station. Like, I mean, there's so yeah. many there's so much good in this that even the bad is like so funny that I don't care. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even like I keep saying you're following this thread and it's just like, well, fuck it. Like <laughs> yeah. we, we don't care about her dad anymore after a certain no, point. Dude. We don't. I mean, it's just, it's so funny. <laughs> His car is on the property. Yeah. yeah. It's like, okay, <laughs> like, uh, sure. what are you going to do? About it? <laughs> it's so ridiculous. And the fact that they never tried to leave and were stopped, they just yeah. like didn't leave. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's it's, true. it's hilarious. The more you peel back the layers and try to see, like what makes sense and what doesn't it's kind of a mess yeah but it's like bless this mess you know what i mean like, yeah <laughs> it's it's so much fun that it doesn't even matter 100 percent. um so it's really funny because we haven't done this in a while yeah mm. on a scale from one to ten malicious masks i also gave halloween three season of the witch seven out of ten malicious mask holy shit it's it's been a long time hey the halloween three if you (laughs) 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 i did want to mention because for some reason it never came up but i believe 
two days prior to this episode's release mm-hmm. is the 40th anniversary of Halloween 3. Hey, Holy shit. Nice. So oddly perfect timing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you haven't seen it, please watch it. Oh, oh yeah. Watch it. You will have a fucking blast. <laughs> Well, that's all from us at Podmortem. What would you rate Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, and what should we watch next? Let us know on Twitter, at the Podmortem. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook. Be sure to follow each of us on Twitter at TravisMWH, at Blood and Smoke, and at RealStreeter84. Please consider pledging to our Patreon and stay tuned until after the music for a special thank you to our Wendigo Gitter patrons. And remember, as a consumer, your purchases may seem innocent, but they could end up being more than you bargained for. Until next time. Thank you for staying tuned. We want to give a very special thank you to all of our Wendigo Getter patrons. Yeah. 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 Happy, happy Halloween. Silver. I, yeah. I just yeah. forgot. <laughs> You're too excited. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm more about the business than I think. <laughs> But a special thank you to Chris Ontiveros, Kristen Lofton, Megan Martinez, Kimberly Bass, Sophie Hodson, Anthony Jerome M., Jordan Nash, Kent Morton, Guy54, Lala Thomas, Travis Anissa Hunter, Miguel Myers ATX, Jennifer Perez, Pierre Lombard, Allison O'Neill, Carissa, TJ and Angie Bronson, Gabrielle Trevino, Spooky Mom, Andy Teague, Applin Ontiveros, Karima Rhodes, Antonio Huerta, Kimberly Kleindienst, Will Brown, Sydney Smith, Osvaldo Soto, Jonathan Booth, Bobby Holmes, Donna Eason, J.D. Rizak, Molly Gerhardt, Armand Spasto, Aaron Aguirre, Eggy, William Berry, Brittany Ramatar, Charity Oxner, Amanda Six, Mandy Rainwater, Eden, Jordan Roberts, Dylan, Melissa Sierra, Holly Bryan, Jordan Blevins, Liz Heath, Spencer Montavo, Pancake the Panda, John Ramos, Michael Nuding, Alexis Roberts, Dan Laveau, Itzy M, Gary Horton, Amanda Aliff, Leisha Olivier, Kate Lamp, Carlos and Sydney, Jessica Hunter, Helena Rudder, Alan Johnston, Mariah, Livy Fun, Mandy M, Scott Troutman, Mozzie Bear, Brittany G, Dave Burke, Adrian Stakes, Craig Kowalski, Beth, Daniel McGinnis, Nick Spill, Emma Hagel-Kissinger, Ashley Weidman, Angelica Cornelius-Witt, Valerie G, JSL, Emiliana, Brian Glass, CB, Maya Noches, Taylor Santana, Will Lewison, Angelique, Smelly Poo Head, Beth Bauer, Ben Coons, Cookie, Esperanza J, Jace OKC, Joshua Rumley, Danielle Peralta, Hannah R., Ambular Belladonna, Brandon, Nicholas Carter, and Sawyer Reese Farr. Thank you all so much. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Thank you, that is unbelievable. Oh, yeah. It really is. We hope you all know how much you sham rock. All right. Well, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Happy, 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 happy Halloween, Halloween. So let's get back to things you enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time.